Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He is not human. He is like a machine. Making more podcasts than you've ever seen. Now he's finally back for more interviews. I hope you missed him because he sure missed you. It's the Tarrant Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Terran Show. Today, I am joined by uh, a friend of mine, an, an actor, uh, Brendan Meyer. How you doing, Brendan? Hey, Terran, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so excited to be on beyond the Terran Show. Yes, uh, very excited to have you. Uh, I feel like uh, one, like one of the reasons I had to bring the Terran show back is just like an excuse to do this with all my friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and the, the friends that I've made since the last time, right? Uh, yeah, and, yeah, it's uh, been a while. Like we were saying before we went on air, I think it's been a little while since there's been one of these, sir. Yes. Since they've been back regularly. Um, so, uh, Brendan, you are an actor. Um, I mm. met you through, uh, a game of, uh, sequester that we played. That's right. Um, That's right. and, uh, you, you, you were a listener of the podcast and, mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember how I figured that out. I think I reached out to you. Um, yeah, I think maybe cause I followed some RHAP people on right. Twitter. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was doing some pre-gaming, uh, and we, we <laughs> yeah, little did alliance. I know you were looking for the connection uh, with everybody. Uh, I understand. <laughs> uh, we did well though. We did, we did a good job. We did, we did well together, man. It was great. As I said, I mean, you, you, you and Aman really had that game unlock. And so, as I always joked, I, I, I didn't realize that just making sure that you guys were cool with me on that phone call with you was the most important move of the whole uh, sequester <laughs> mini. So little did I know. <laughs> yes. So uh, we had some fun. If I'd said on the call to you, like, well, I'm voting you out. I probably wouldn't have lasted as long. Hey, oh no, <laughs> definitely not. Um, <laughs> we had some fun with that. You, uh, you were also, um, uh, of course, as I said, an, an actor. Um, and I think probably the thing people would know you the most for is that you were on the show, the OA. Uh, I think so. I think so. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like there's different sort of pockets of, of depending on, you know, cause as we talk through the career or however the conversation goes, but yeah, I'd say the OA is sort of the headline, but you know, here in Canada, I did this show called Mr. Young. I feel like a lot of, a lot of weirdly, a lot of people still know me for that. Um, but in America, definitely the OA and yeah. Interesting. Uh, is uh, is there anything else that uh, the people tend to know you from? Well, I did this uh, this um, movie called The Guest, uh, Adam mm-hmm. Wingard film in uh, in twenty 
I guess I filmed it in 2013. It came out in theaters in 2014. And it, it's kind of been this wild thing where, you know, it was at Sundance in 2014, did really well there were critically. And then it didn't have this like massive theatrical, you know, rollout or anything like that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the film has just grown such a cult following and now even a larger following over the last few years um, that uh, I feel like I, I, that comes up now every year. It comes up more and more, which has been kind of a wild, wild process. I feel like that's kind of the third thing now that I feel like people mention the most uh, when I'm on a project or, or, uh, or just meeting people, they'll be like, Oh my gosh, the guests. And so it's been, that's been kind of a fun experience with a project to have something come out and it do well critically and, and have keep everyone who saw it, love it. And then, but then, you know, you're not getting it's not coming up every time you speak to people. And then, you know, over the years that that project is just every year, I feel like it comes up more and more. Yeah. We were, uh, we were chatting the, uh, the other week about, um, about yeah. stuff you've done. And you were like, Oh, I was in this movie called guest. And I was like, wait a minute. I think I'd seen that movie. I just, uh, yeah. I, and I liked it. Um, yeah. I just didn't know who you were at the time. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like, cause I just saw, actually, I, I don't know if it's thought, but I literally just yesterday, I, uh, was on entertainment weekly, you know, just looking at stuff, uh, just, you know, just cause I go on that site sometimes as a movie fan and, and they, and the guest is listed as like one of the movies that's leaving Netflix that you should definitely watch. So it was like right there on the front page. So it's wild. That movie's sort of a uh, growth. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, I guess like the first question here is like, how do you, how do you become an actor? Like how did, how do you get here? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a it is a pretty wild, wild kind of story because uh, it, it is a bit different. I mean, I'm from I'm Canadian uh, originally, and I, I grew up in uh, Edmonton, Alberta in Canada, which is sort of like near the Rocky Mountains. And for people who don't don't know uh, Canadian geography, it's sort of over. It's the province over from British Columbia where Vancouver is. And so it's like maybe like I don't know, a couple of days drive from there um, and like an hour and a half flight. And so, yeah, so where I like, I mean, I not only did I, you know, not grow up anywhere near like, you know, Los Angeles or New York or anywhere in America, I didn't really grow up near like Toronto or Vancouver, really one of the sort of film and TV hubs of uh, of Canada. But what was great about growing up in Edmonton is it actually has an amazing theater scene and just an amazing art scene in general. Um, there's so much different theater to go see. There's a lot of dance and um just music, uh, just art, arts in general. They have a massive folk festival. They have like one of the largest fringe festivals uh, in, in the world, which is sort of like a, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how common that term is, but they're basically a, a, an Edinburgh fringe festival is the biggest one. And then Edmonton's a really big one too. And it's basically like a, a, a theater festival where people can just sort of like you get in in a lottery and they give you a space and you can sort of perform whatever you want. Um, a lot of people do one man shows there and things like that. And so that every year, you know, in Edmonton, like the downtown theater district becomes like this thing where you could see like six plays in a day. And it's just like people from all over the world and stuff um, doing their sort of their theater. So, uh, so as an actor, yeah, I mean, I just, I think, you know, my earliest sort of memories of it are, I, I went to a lot of like, um, kind of children's theater stuff. So like, just like theater of like Snow White or Sleeping Beauty or things like that mm -hmm. um, in this little theater that was like underneath uh, the big, like, you know, Jubilee Auditorium, which is like one of the bigger theaters where like a lot of like concerts happen and stuff. But it's, it's such an interesting question as far as like, well, how you do it is a long journey, which I guess we'll, we'll <laughs> talk about today. But as far as just wanting to do it, it it's a really it's a wild thing because I've gotten this question so many times over the years. Right. It's like, well, when did you know you wanted to be an actor? When did you decide? And for me, there's really never been uh, there was never really a choice like there was never a conscious choice. I think from a really, really young age, 
like I was just so into um, into stories and just like, you know, like I remember reading like, you know, old if you if I find old books of like me writing and stuff like at like six or seven, it's just like me writing like adventure stories with my name put in there. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. like uh, I just love the idea of I think being involved in story. Um, and so I think I've always wanted to be an actor. Like I, I genuinely don't have a memory of, of looking at acting in any sort of rational way and saying, I want to do it. It's very much like a six-year-old, five-year-old kid being like, I want to be an actor. I want to be an actor. I want to do that. Like it was sort of a whim and it's just grown and it's made more and more sense with every passing year. But even to the point where like a story that my mom told me and like, I have a, there's a picture of it is that like, she was taking me to one of those shows when I was like four or five. And I was, uh, I was like dressed as a dwarf, like one of the dwarves from, you know, the seven dwarves. And uh, she was like, why are you dressed like that? I'm like, maybe they'll need another one, you know, so I should go dress, you know, which is hilarious, which is funny, which I have no memory of at all. Um, but then I, of course, I joke that they did not need another dwarf. So my first taste of rejection uh, was right there. They did not. They went another way. Mm. Um, <laughs> so there you go. So I still wanted to do it even after, even after the first no. So that's, that's a good, a good sign. Yeah. But yeah, so it's, so it's fascinating, you know, just talking about the, the, uh, the start of it, you know, it, it's like, it, it's something that's sort of been in me the whole time. Um, uh, this idea of wanting to be an actor and be involved in story and, and stuff. So yeah, that's how it started. And then it's like, sort of, I don't know how, how, you know, bit by bit you want to take it, but yeah, that's like, that's it's, that starts where it starts. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, cause I feel like, I feel like I, um, I feel like I probably had a somewhat similar, uh, drive. I mean, I, I ended up approaching it from a different perspective. I was also somebody that was deeply into stories and storytelling mm-hmm. and, Um, you know, I often say that the, I was raised by television. Um, and, uh, (laughs) and so, uh, for me that eventually, you know, led to wanting to, to like to write, um, stories. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but there was like, I did do like a small amount of like acting stuff in school uh, and I always enjoyed it. Um, but I, but yeah, I mean, I had like a similar, I think kind of drive to just like be involved in this process um, and, uh, and help create these stories that, that meant so much to me. Um, you know, ultimately I, I mean, I guess I end up in a somewhat similar, uh, you know, uh, field in that now I'm talking about stories rather than creating yeah. them often. Um, but uh, so, so I guess like, uh, so how, how does it go from that, that drive and desire to like when did you make the active decision or when did or did it not happen that like you're actually doing this and um and it's something that uh that you're successful at yeah yeah again and like i guess i'll just tell the story from the beginning because it actually is a pretty it's you know my acting career is very much has this sort of snowball effect where it is this snowball going downhill where it starts slowly and sort of picks up picks up momentum and kind of had many different stages because I started so far away from the idea of like having an agent in Los Angeles and all this stuff mm-hmm. being on a show like the OA or whatever. And, and so, yeah, so basically I was actually homeschooled too, which is sort of in it, which um, I wasn't, uh, I didn't go to school and was not homeschooled for acting because no, you know, no parent uh, is homeschooling their kid for acting in, in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be an insane, uh, insane thing. So yeah, my, my parents were very supportive. I mean, it started with just me going to theater classes, like summer camp. I'm going it, to, it's summer. I'm going to do an acting summer camp. It's Saturdays. I'm going to do like a, an acting, an acting class every Saturday at the like theater in Edmonton. Um, I'm going to do community theater, things like that was kind of where it started. Um, 
And then, so then in like 2004, uh, I got an agent in uh, Edmonton, like just a local Alberta agent. And that's when I first started doing any kind of professional auditions. And I, I worked on a couple of small TV movies. My first ever job actually is a part in a TV movie about uh, Wayne Gretzky's father, uh, the hockey player, Wayne Gretzky's dad, who oh, yeah. Um, he, yeah, he, his father, unfortunately had a stroke, uh, which he survived and then kind of had to come back from that. And so there was a TV movie all about his sort of journey back through that. Cause he lost some memory and, and all these things. Uh, so I played like just a goalie on one of the, the teams that <laughs> Walter Gretzky coached. Um, and I had like two scenes. And of course it's like the first gig I ever had. I actually couldn't skate despite being a kid growing up in Alberta, which is a big hockey city in the <laughs> hockey province. Uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of a funny story. Cause I, I went into the audition and I was playing a goalie and I came out and my dad said, Hey, did they ask like, if you had a skating experience? And I said, yeah, yeah, for sure. And he said, so what did you say? And I said, well, I said I could skate. <laughs> and he went, why would why did you yeah. say that? And I went, well, you know, cause, cause I got, I got to get the part, man. You know, I can't be lying. I'm not going to get the part if I just say I can't skate. And so he's like, mm-hmm. we're going to the rink every time we get it. it cause if you get a call back. And so then we went to the rink a couple of times, then I got a call back and then I went in and did the same thing where I went, Hey, the callback went great. And he went, what did you say? I said, I said, I could skate. I mean, come on, what am I supposed to say? And <laughs> it went really well. I wasn't about to say it. Uh, I didn't skate again. It was a small part. So then I got it. And of course that was the funny thing is uh, here I was as, which was very funny because having my first acting job on film and TV, be a, uh, be a, a hockey player was very funny because uh, when you're, you know, this was when I was al- almost 11 and when you're 11 and you, all the kids I knew were hockey players. So it was always weird that I didn't know how to skate. And then of course through acting, I wound up uh, wearing a hockey Jersey and wearing hockey pads. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that I started doing stuff like that. And then I'd say the first, the first part that really kind of uh, changed my career trajectory and helped me get some more momentum professionally was I did a show called Dino Sapien when I was, it was the summer of 2006. So I was about to turn 12. Uh, and, uh, I got this season. It was for, um, a channel well, it was for the BBC, uh, in, in the UK. Uh, and then it was for uh, discovery kids, I guess the discovery kids channel in um, America, which I don't think even exists anymore. Uh, um, so, so yeah, that's what it was for. And I got this part and I was a series regular. I wasn't like the star star, but I, I was in every episode and, and it was about, um, these kids at a dinosaur camp, uh, sorry, a dinosaur camp that was supposed to be all about like, um, excavating old bones and all these different things that real dinosaurs are sort of released uh, into the surrounding area. And one mm. of the counselors um, and, you know, starts to find this dinosaur and, and share sort of a bond with it. And there's, you know, there's a million, you know, different ways it went. I think it was about 15 half hour episodes, but I was like a young kid who loved, you know, uh, loved dinosaurs and was always telling bad dinosaur jokes and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> sort of got, got caught up in that. So that was kind of the first one. Cause when I worked on that, I was able to get an agent um, through, uh, the the actress Brittany Wilson, who was the lead, uh, she got me with her agent in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was kind. Of, I, I always say that that's kind of where I'd say I started to have a regular um, connect professional connection to the industry. You know, because because mm-hmm. when you're in Edmonton, you know, you're for film and TV, you're probably doing. And I was doing a lot of fun theater at this time as well. Um, but, but again, that was, not only was I really young, I just wasn't doing big stuff. You know, I was doing like maybe a couple days once a year, you know, mm-hmm. um, and Dino Sapien, so that's Dino Sapien was the first time I'd spent that much time, uh, on a film set. Uh, and so then I got onto that and, uh, 
I, uh, I, I got this agency play management in Vancouver, who I'm still with to this day, you know, which is wild. I still have the same agent there in Vancouver. I have American representatives now too, but uh, that's still with my, uh, my Canadian agent, uh, Lena, who I've been with for now, I guess, 14 years or whatever it is, which is wow. crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Cause I'm so much older. And then of course, when I met her, she was young and, and, and she had just started, you know, I think I was like one of the first clients and she started being an mm-hmm. agent and now she's like a mother and she's got kids. And like, it's just, it, she still works. It's just wild. We're both have grown up a lot, even though she, wasn't that young when I started, but, uh, yeah, it's awesome. I, uh, I, I, uh, so yeah, so that was kind of, that's, that's where it starts, you know? So as you can see, it's, it's, it's interesting when, and I guess that's why it's interesting to talk about it in podcast form, because I feel like every, anybody you ask who's at any level of, of success, whether it's massive success or somewhere in the middle or wherever, I think the journey to any kind of success as an actor is pretty specific mm-hmm. and, uh, an idiosyncratic, uh, uh, so that's how it started. I don't know if you want to just keep going uh, on the story, but uh. yeah, well, I, I'm curious about like, um, like, uh, like, first of all, uh, like, were your, were your parents like supportive of this, uh, yeah. this endeavor? Like they were just like, yeah, like this, this sounds good. Well, I think so. I think this contributes to the snowball, snowball thing. So, so my, my father is an optometrist. He has an optometry practice in Edmonton. Um, it's an eye doctor, uh, and my mother uh, helps manage the office. And then also she homeschooled us. So, so she would kind of work from home, um, at my dad's office. And she also involved in, in various other things as well. Uh, and so they don't, they didn't have any connection, you know, to the industry at all, you know, and then they joke about this and like, I, like the answer is they've been incredibly supportive and they're one of, one of the only reasons I've had any success at all. Um, but, but, but they always joke. They're like, well, we took him to theater as a kid. Cause, cause we thought this was an entertaining thing. We would have taken him to the courtroom or to the doctor's office as a kid. If we would have known, he would have thought I should do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they always, didn't realize, but they are of course joking. No, they've been super supportive. Uh, but, but as, as you can see with how I'm, I'm saying, like, it didn't start as this like massive, crazy dream. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't this thing where I was like, I want to be an actor. And they're like, OK, we're moving to Los Angeles. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're we're moving to Toronto. You know, we're you're we're putting everything in your, you know, uh, into your career. It was very like, OK, well, yeah, you want to get an agent in Edmonton? Cool. Oh, OK. You got an agent in Vancouver. Great. And so. So, yeah. So they were very supportive. So sort of the the it kind of feeds into the next part of the story, which is I got this agent in Vancouver and they were like, well, this is great, but you know, you're 13. It's not like we're moving to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically did, uh, what I did is I basically treated Vancouver a lot, like a lot of Canadian actors will treat LA, which is you tape a lot. You just send a lot of tapes, mm-hmm. um, which of course was a little bit more difficult back then than it is now. Now it's like you just shoot it on your phone back then. It was on a real camera and had to, you know, um, email it as a file and all this stuff, but <clears throat> the, uh, um, yeah, so we just did that, uh, where basically I would tape things in the basement in Edmonton. And if I got a call back or, or got really close on something, you know, I'd, I'd fly out to Vancouver, um, and go audition in person. Uh, that was sort of how we did it. Uh, which is great. They were support. That was in itself very supportive because my mom would fly with me when it would, when I'd get close on something good or my dad would fly depending on what it was going on. Um, and we spent a couple summers there, here and there. So that for the next, probably, I mean, probably it took about, I would say at this point, it probably took like three and I worked on some decent projects in that time, but I would say we're looking at probably another like three and a half years until the next major sort of, um, movement, which was in early 2010. Yeah. Uh, so, um, 
I'm also curious about like, uh, so you, you were homeschooled. Um, mm-hmm. first of all, just like, you know, before we continue with the, with the sure. acting, uh, plot here, um, yeah. Yeah. let's, let's stop down on the B plot here, which is, uh, the homeschooling. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd love to talk about that too. Sure. Can you, can you first like, just like, uh, what was the, what went into the decision to homeschool as opposed to send you to a, a school? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Cause again, it's one of these things where I, I guess you'd really have to ask my parents cause mm-hmm. I wasn't fully aware of it. Cause it was, but, but I think they just really, I think they, they saw an opportunity to sort of, uh, I think give me and I have a younger brother as well, like a little bit more freedom to study the things that we wanted to study. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, like I said, there's probably more specific reasons uh, that they could probably get into, but I think they, they heard about it. They knew some people who had done it. And I think that my mom just felt that pull. I mean, maybe in the same way that we're talking about with acting and sort of that she felt this pull that she really wanted to not just send me and my brother off, off to school. Um, and, and that she wanted to sort of, you know, nurture us in a different way and allow us to sort of develop our learning or how we sort of engaged with what we wanted to learn about and, and, and stuff. And the thing about homeschooling, that's sort of the big question that I always get, you know, growing up and that, you know, you'd get your whole life basically, but especially as a kid, people go, Oh, well, you know, you're homeschooled, man. So you don't ever see other people, you know, you don't mm-hmm. socialize at all. And the, the reality is, is that in Edmonton, which is, you know, so I imagine this is true of almost any major city is that there was a homeschooling community there. So growing up from the age of like six to 16 and like my earliest, like my earliest friends who I'm still friends with to this day are homeschoolers, like kids who, so I would say growing up, I probably knew like 30 to 40 other homeschooling families uh, and their kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, And so as a young kid, you know, they would do, so it starts obviously when you're really young, it starts with like, they would do park days, you know, like, all right, Hey, mm-hmm. they post on this message board or whatever the form was, Hey, uh, homeschooling families meeting at this park. Uh, so the kids can play with each other and play in the park. Uh, or, Hey, we're going to go to this museum as a group. If it wants to go and, and look at, you know, the museum uh, or the zoo or whatever it was. Uh, and so, so even from a young age, it's, it's really interesting because you, if you're, you know, your parents, which obviously they want you to socialize, get you out there. Uh, uh, you know, you, you kind of have these opportunities to socialize, but I think what's great about it um, compared to, to school anyway, is that you, you know, it, it, it school is so difficult, difficult. And it's, it's this thing where if you wind up in a situation where, you know, you're just not fitting in with a group of kids or, or you're not gelling or, or eh, frankly, if a kid's just being mean, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you, you kind of have an escape, right. You have an out, you have an ability to sort of like, not not really have to see that kid every single day or see yeah. that social situation every single day um and it was just very very helpful uh and again it, it's interesting too because you know as as i you know you work in the industry or you work at, you, you you know you start to encounter these sort of uh, authority figures that that are i mean as we've seen in a million things you know with you know they're just sometimes you're going to run into people who don't have your best interest at heart as an employer or as a you know a man you know a teacher and i mm-hmm. feel like a lot of times as a kid you're sort of trapped with those people um as well so so uh, being homeschooled as a kid you sort of have that freedom that you know if i did did a did a theater class and it just really wasn't going well or whatever it was you know you were a little more uh able to sort of uh steer click steer clear of that which i think was was in as i get older you sort of realize how invaluable that kind of that is 
that, that there wasn't there wasn't anyone who told me that being an actor was stupid or yeah. that I was being silly or you know anything like that you know I mean, it it does. It's it's a weird thing to because I mean, there are so many things in our society that you just kind of like accept without question, right? Uh, and and there's there's so much, uh, so many terrible things about uh, public yeah. schooling. Well, I, I, for me, that's the biggest thing, right? Is it's it's not it's not necessarily coming on a podcast and saying school is the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's saying that it's actually not, and and it's not the same for every family. Not every family can can do it. It's everyone's different, right? But I think a lot more families than would ever consider it could say, hey, like I could do that. You know, um, mm-hmm. uh, this could be it, 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 like you're saying, it's so easy and it, no matter what it is, it's so easy in the society to to see certain things as, well, I have to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to go to school. I have to go to university. I have to do this. I have to have this kind of job or I can't have this be my job or I can't have. And and that's not true. And I think I think that it really does. I mean, my whole life, I think it's it's totally shaped from that that. That's simple. And, I, and again, I, in a weird way, kind of wanted to be an actor almost the same level. So it's like my, my decision to be an actor, I don't think is weirdly not linked to this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that uh, I think that it allowed it to nurture in a different way. And I, you look, you just have a different worldview when you when you're growing up and you're not going to school. Right. Yeah. And you suddenly realize that there's this thing that the majority of people are doing they're going to school mm-hmm. and it's being treated like this is the most normal thing in the world. And when you realize, well, I'm living this alternative path, it really opens yourself up to, I think also to, you know, it's just even at a young age, you're now becoming more accepting of alternative paths in other people as well, right? Like you, yeah. whatever it, you want to plug it into, you realize that, you know, oh, well, there, you know, just because we're being told that this is a, a pillar of your life and that, you know, your whole world is going to collapse if you don't go to school, it's not necessarily true, right? Yeah. I mean, like, right, right from the get go, you're sort of like, uh, you know, shown that, uh, that, yeah, you don't need to necessarily follow a, yeah. a path that is, that, that everybody else does. Does it, is it also like, I imagine maybe this is true. Maybe it's not true. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it wouldn't be the, this case, but, uh, I imagine it, it makes you like, you, you must have a good relationship with your family. If, if, if this went well at the very least, right? Like, I guess if it didn't go well, it might be worse, but (laughs) right, right. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. And I think, I think that's the thing. And, and it's, it's enormously been enormously helpful as I become, became more and more successful in the career and my life became even more not normal, um, uh, which we'll get to, but the, uh, yeah, you know, my, my parents have been, you know, are, are not only, you know, my parents, but they really are, you know, fr- friends of mine, you know, mm-hmm. at this point in my life, still being an adult. And, and, and I think that that's a really, and again, that's another thing that you can sort of take for granted when you're younger and you think, oh, well, you know, I have these parents and they're very supportive and I have this relationship with them and they're, you know, all this stuff. And then you sort of get to be older and you start to realize just how lucky that actually is and how that's mm-hmm. not as normal as, as you would have thought. So yeah, as I get older, I become more and more grateful beyond, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just like, Oh, my parents were supportive of me wanting to be an actor or, or whatever. It's like, yeah, they're actually like been genuinely kind of like decent people to uh, have a life with, you know, uh, they are actually people that I 
what were was able to look up to because and you see this explored all the time right in 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 movies in great theater and mm-hmm. in in whatever and then you see it in other people is that you know a lot of times a formative moment for people can be the loss of you know you you grow up thinking your parents are this thing to look up to and then you realize and you know everyone has flaws and nobody's perfect but but there's catastrophic things where you realize mm-hmm. that your parents are not who you thought they were or that your relationship's not going to be what you thought they were going to be you know i've seen that depicted so many times in art and stuff so i feel like that's how i have an understanding of that versus sort of the reality that i had which has been a very positive experience and and look my parents I, they would say this too i mean it's it, they I think the thing that I think my parents did that, that, you know, if I could, you know, if I hopefully will one day be a parent and all the stuff that I would try to take with me is I think that they, they started treating us as real human beings, like very early, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like there can sometimes be an idea of like, well, my kid's like eight, nine or whatever. And like when they get older and stuff, and I feel like it's getting even more uh, dramatic as the, um, the, the, the internet grows and, and a young person's access to the world and to other people mm-hmm. grows, which is now light years ahead of what it was even for me in like the late nineties, early two thousands um, is, 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 you know, your, your kid is a, basically a fully formed person so much earlier than I think sometimes we say they are. Yeah. And if you don't put that time in with your kid, if you don't, my mom would always say she would spend like time with us every day to some degree, not all day, every day. Like, but you know, it's like she would sit and play whatever little thing we were playing with us uh, every day uh, to make sure that, you know, they were a presence. And I remember when, you know, we were young and, and my parents started going on trips for the first time because they hadn't done a lot of traveling. Um, they, my parents were quite young. My dad was, was uh, 24 when I was born. My mom was 27 and my brother was born a couple years later uh the uh you know they took us on all the vacations that they went on and again that's mm-hmm. another great thing about homeschooling you know they they yeah. went on a, they went on a europe trip you know and they actually took us and so we we were able to read about you know i remember i was reading about greek myths you know in school and i was like whoa and then we actually like went to, to greece and could see some of these things and it was like oh my god like this is awesome and and they took us on those trips and i remember there was a lot of other kids i knew where their parents were not taking them on any other vacations you know mm-hmm. they were staying with grandparents or they were staying with friends you know and so that's probably the thing that that I can point to that I think they did that is so sort of inspiring and interesting is it just I, I felt like I was, you know, friends with them and had like a relationship with them from like a very, very young age. And so there that 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 really kind of I felt connected to them in like a way of mutual respect, you know, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, that 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 has always been. So the transition has been easy um, into sort of getting older because then of course you get older and you get to be a teenager and then you're meeting new friends and you're getting all these other opinions and you're getting all this other information and you're growing up and all this different stuff. And so it's, you know, it's like, yeah, it was, there was such a great foundation built back in those, those early days. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you talked about like, I feel like the, the, the usual um, response to being homeschooled is like, Oh, well, didn't you like, what, did you have any friends? Um, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. Uh, but even, even beyond that, like, uh, was there, was there, or is there any sense that like, yes, you got to experience this thing that was so, uh, so different than the normal experience, which mm-hmm. helped open your mind in some ways, but was there also, or is there also a sense of like, you know, Hey, I, I didn't experience something that a lot of people do. Uh, does that create a distance or, or any kind of loneliness? Uh, I feel like that would be the, um, you know, that would be like the thought, right? I, I think, I think that, 
I think that that inevitably, yes. Right. Is that is that there's going to be a degree of of, oh, like there's no way there aren't like other positive things that would have come from going to school or different things that mm-hmm. slip through the cracks. I don't regret any of it. And I think I think maybe the number one thing that has sort of, I think, uh, maybe counteracted that is that I've now gone even further down this thing where I've moved and done acting stuff and mm-hmm. I'm constantly. So I think what's kind of happened is my career now sort of has that sort of like singular floating from thing to thing kind of uh, structure, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So in a weird way, it sort of hasn't been, even though, yes, it's like, I haven't gone from this thing where I didn't have the structure of school. And then now I'm at a desk job. And like, it's like, I'm, I've always now for like the whole life been in this very weird, like I'm the singular person. Yeah. And I sort of like plug into this thing for two months or four months or five months or, or a week, you know, and then I'm out again, you know? And so uh, it's just kind of become a part of the way that I interact with almost everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, it, I think, I think the key thing that kind of happened for me is that, is that my whole sort of acting, acting and life changed when I was 16. And so that's kind of around the age that I think I was starting to think like, well, I've been doing these plays and I'm around other kids my age. Like, do I want to go to school? Cause I thought about that at like 15, you know, you mm-hmm. get to be that age and you think, Oh man, like, do I want to be, you know, you start noticing like, you know, whoever your girls for me, whoever you're attracted to, you know, you start being like, well, I got to be around, you know, I, like you start to, you know, whatever that's that there's just the feeling of having friends, being a teenager, all this different stuff. Um, you know, you, you start to think like, oh, do I want to be in school? You know, do I want to be in something like that? So I'm around people my own age all the time. Uh, but yeah, right around that time was sort of when things really started to, to change again for me as an actor. So I sort of like had this weird thing where I didn't spend like 15, 16, 17, like I actually like, we'll get to it if we keep talking about the acting, but like I actually didn't spend 15, 16, 17 uh, at home with my parents doing school, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I never really, I never really had that run. And again, I'll be totally honest with you. You're right. Is you think about, did I miss out on this stuff? And around that time where I literally did, I remember being like 13 or 14, I did this community theater show and I was around kids my age and they all went to school. I remember saying to my mom, like, maybe I should go to junior high or maybe I should do this. Like, I, I really do like being around. And I was thinking about it, you know, and then it's just that kind of with the acting thing, it's sort of, it didn't quite. Yeah. I sort of, that, that sort of thing got replaced with, with sort of some, some big developments. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I also do think like, it's, um, you know, I, I feel like there's, you know, life isn't a video game and you don't get to like go back and, and play yeah. all the parts that you didn't choose, uh, to, yeah. to play. Right. Um, and so like, I feel like everybody's going to miss out on something like, other people like I didn't get to experience. Uh, I actually did. I was uh, I was like very partially homeschooled uh, mm. as a kid. Uh, I, I left like halfway through the day. Uh, sometimes okay. um, I've no it's like a, it, I don't even know why or how it happened. But it's just like a vague memory of mine. Um, yeah. But uh, but like I like I didn't experience the uh, the you know, the, the whole like uh, being able to like travel with my parents and learn yeah. and like, yeah. uh, and like I, I have all, all of the negatives of uh, public schooling and all yeah. of that. And um, you know, I, you know, in my current position, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I would have preferred uh, something, uh, something other than that. Maybe not with my specific situation, but um, you know, like uh, it's, it's, I feel like, um, you know, th- there's always going to be some kind of, like, hey, I had a different experience here. And I and I ultimately I think that the different experience is more valuable than 
than that because there's plenty of shared experiences in life like it's it's not like you are an alien in a you know on earth right yeah and i think i think you know i think also the thing the thing that i guess i didn't mention as well is like because i have so strongly had a pull to be an actor i was constantly putting myself in social situations through doing plays right Mm -hmm. or doing things so i was constantly you know saying oh well i really really want to you know, be in, be in a play. So I'd audition for a play that was at the fringe. And then I'd spend like two or three weeks around kids who went to school in the summer and I'd be around them every day and I'd be showing up at rehearsal and it would be like really, really fun. And then we go and do the show. So I would have these bursts all through my life of like being really involved with kids around my own age. So I was still getting a taste of this stuff. You know, I did like lifeguard training for years. Every Sunday I would go and do like, you know, that was like a thing that I was working on at one point um, was, you know, getting like, you know, how to learn to do CPR and all this different stuff to maybe I was going to have at this point I was really young so I was like maybe I'll be a lifeguard at some point in my teens you know I knew other people who did that friends of the family and stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, so I I was always getting a little taste and like some of the and like and this is the whole thing right is that some of these social interactions went better than others there were some where I remember being a kid and being so excited to go um, every day it was like wow there's nothing more exciting than the fact that I'm going to go and be around kids my own age and then there were other times where I didn't fit in and it just was awful you know what I mean I just like really it was really really tough like so many kids go through where I was mm-hmm. like oh my god like I just don't have any real friends here and I feel so sort of socially awkward about this and so I kind of had I still have that taste so even though I, I can't profess to have the same experience as someone who went to public school like I definitely kind of had enough of a toe in that water to sort of like I might have flourished, but I also might not have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, from my perspective, you didn't miss out on anything. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, lots of people who went through something terrible, uh, like in order to cope with it, they're like, that was necessary for me. Right. Um, but, uh, I've never been a, a huge subscriber to that line of thinking. And, uh, no, I, <laughs> so. no, no, of course not. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, there's a million different things. And again, I think that that's the main takeaway that I would say of like of the whole conversation we've had about the homeschooling thing is it's not so much about, Oh, this is 100% right. And this is 100% wrong, but it's amazing to take something like going to public school that is so universally people's experience and, and just create that space in the mind that like, maybe there's another path and that it's not like I didn't know people who were doing this. Like I said, I knew like Mm. 30, 40 other families and some of them, some of them were like the types of families where like school didn't matter at all. You know, and they were like, oh, man, like we don't do any school. Like my kids are just like doing whatever they want to do or, you know, whatever. And then there were some that did more school than I think kids who went to school where they were like, no, yeah. no, no, like I'm homeschooling my kids because I want them to be like genius kids. And like they're going to work like we're going to structure all day. And I think we were more somewhere in the middle. But as a family, we weren't all the way on, you know, but 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 I definitely still got a high school diploma, you know, all this sort of stuff. But online and stuff. But uh, but yeah, no, like there were that, you know, you saw the spectrum of it. So so there is another path. You know, it's not it's not like I said, it's not like I didn't know anybody growing up. I actually knew tons of people growing up that were doing exactly the same thing I was doing. Yeah, even though the majority weren't. Yeah. And I think, I think, uh, I think uh, again, like, uh, done well, uh, is a, is a big, uh, qualifier yeah. to the homeschooling. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, but it sounds like it was, uh, for you, for sure. Uh, for me, it was, and it yeah. would be interesting, you know, to go back and, and cause I, most of I mean, all my friends who I'm still fr- uh, in touch with, uh, I don't think any of them uh, look back on it negatively, but it was a lot of kids. So, so, you know, it'd be interesting to know if there were any kids who, who I knew in that time who would look back and are like, Oh man, I so wish I wasn't homeschooled for whatever reason. I don't have a, know any of those people personally, but there's also so many people from that time that I have no connection to anymore. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea. 
Uh, do you, do you think that, uh, assuming that you may want kids in the future, do you think that you would, uh, consider it? I, I, for me personally, I probably, I mean, again, you just don't know a position you're in in life. I, I, at this point I would, I would probably homeschool my children hundred mm-hmm. percent. I think I would, that would be the way I would feel right now. And hopefully, you know, I'm still in a position as an actor where, I mean, that would, that's the kind of job weirdly that you could totally do like yeah, the way yeah. that, that, which is exciting. So I hope, I hope that that all lines up for me in my life because, you know, when I think of the way that my parents uh, homeschooled us and if, you know, my mom's job or my dad's job had been like, actor like some of the people i know uh, it would have been very doable you know mm-hmm. like they definitely could have uh could have done it you know uh especially because maybe there's a parent helping you but also on like almost any set there's usually a tutor or something or someone that's there to help out and it's a, you know it's it's or you know you, if you were homeschooling your kids and you booked a tv show or a movie which it's like you're going for five months to film like in this country you, it would be very you would actually be able to continue to spend time with your kids because it would be a sort of natural progression of like well now we're going here yeah. we're all homeschooled and you get in home is not a literal place so yeah there's definitely a dream scenario where it could actually be like a perfect, you know, perfectly aligned with sort of the job that I have. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well let's, let's get more into that again. Um, you, uh, so you, you, got an, you got an agent. Um, things started picking up for you. Uh, what, what was the moment? Was that the moment? What, like the moment where you were like, yeah. this is my, this is going to be my life. Yeah. So no, and, and it's interesting. I'm glad that we stopped down and talked about the homeschooling thing. Cause it, it totally, uh, kind of launches us into what's sort of the next phase of my life, which is that I had this agent in Vancouver, got it in late t- 2006, doing auditions, had booked maybe a handful of things in Vancouver. At this point, did a lot of theater in Edmonton. I, I did the local Shakespeare for the Free Will Shakespeare Festival in Edmonton. I'd done that, which was with adults. You know, that was like a professional paid theater gig where I was like the kid role. So I was, I, that was an exciting thing. But as far as film and TV, I really was not working that much. Uh, 2008 and 2009, 
I did, you know, I, I had like a one day role on that movie Tooth Fairy uh, with Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> and I did like two days on a Hallmark movie. And so 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 I had a lot of fun theater things that were going on. And so at that time and, and you know, my friends and I were doing plays. So and I was still young, so I wasn't really sweating it, you know. But but when you look at that time, um, you know, uh, film and TV things were not happening. So it, it was actually a very small part of my life being an actor in film and TV. And, you know, I still lived in Edmonton and, you know, acting was still my life. I was still flying to Vancouver and doing acting classes and all this stuff and working in Edmonton. But but film and TV acting was not happening. Uh, and then in, so in early I'll start with this part of the story, because this is really where it starts, is that in 2010, I was in L.A. for a couple of days. And with my dad and I said, well, I'm going to be LA for a couple of days. So, you know, if there's any auditions or anything that I can go into in person, mm-hmm. let me know. Right. And at this point I didn't even have an agent in America. Right. I only have my Canadian agent and my agent got me. I had three auditions in one day uh, uh, when I was there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, you, you know, I had all these lines and, and two of them were for like Nickelodeon shows. <laughs> Uh, down in the states and uh, there was i can't remember what the other one was there was three auditions and one of them was a Nickel- two of them were nickelodeon shows nickelodeon pilots and I, I can't remember what the first one was and the second one was this nickelodeon pilot so i went there and i auditioned and it was for this this pilot about this kid who like you know was like a superhero or whatever and had different superpowers and stuff and i went in and it's actually a really wild thing because and this happens sometimes in la where the first round of an audition for a pilot will actually just be you and the casting director and they won't even film it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, which, which is so tough as an actor because usually when you go in for an audition and there's a camera, you like do your thing and they've taped it and you leave the room and you can kind of go, well, you know, I, someone's going to look at that tape in a few hours and then decide. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're in there with the casting director, you're like, Oh, like I have to, con- like if the, per- if, if the person that I'm looking at right now yeah. in the lines with does not decide uh, that I, I am worth another look or worth moving on, I'm just not going to hear again. You know, it's like a much more intimidating, interesting uh, process. You're like, this is the only person that will ever see this performance. And this is the only person that will be able to pass judgment on it. Uh, I, you know, if they don't respond, there's not some other person who's going to see the tape and which happens a lot, right? Where, you know, casting director has an opinion, director has an opinion, producer has an opinion. Mm-hmm. So this first stage, and again, I'm still young, I'm 15. I just went in, I did it. And I really responded. He said, you know, I really, really um, like what you did. Can you stay for a couple of days? I, I, can you not go back? Can you come and read for the creator of the show and everybody in a couple of days? And I was like, oh my gosh, whoa. And my dad was like, all right, well, okay. I guess we'll get there. You know? <laughs> uh, and so I auditioned for the show and this isn't as important. So I'll, I'll condense this part of the story, but basically for the next few months, it was very like, and I never had an experience like this where I went through all the stages of casting for this Nickelodeon pilot. Um, I like was part of these chemistry reads where you would show up and read with different kids and they'd like send kids home. You really felt like you were on a American Idol or something, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. you'd go in and you'd go in and read with two other kids for other parts. And then they go, okay, these are the people we don't need anymore. Thank you so much. But you guys, you guys are going to stay and read with some other people. And so you were really in real time going like, well, they're not going to be in it. They're not going to mm-hmm. be in it. I'm still alive. You know, and you would basically make it to the end of the session with like three other guys for your part and four other people for the other parts. And you'd be like, oh my God, like I made it, you know, I'm still in it. And so anyway, I went through this whole process. I booked this Nickelodeon pilot. I got an American agent through this pilot. I go down, I shoot the pilot. It was a great experience. Um, and we started, we're like, okay, well, like if this thing gets picked up, you know, you're going to be doing this. I'm going to be living in LA doing this pilot. Um, and I went home and I did the Shakespeare festival for the summer. And then I, the pilot didn't go mm-hmm. in, in August. 
it like didn't get picked up. It, it was a multi-camera sitcom pilot, uh, four camera show, which is important. That's why I'm mentioning that it's important to what happens next. But uh, I didn't have, it didn't happen. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, it was kind of, I was just kind of crazy. And I'd done a smaller pilot for CBC in Canada that didn't go. So I had done a good job. Like we had done a good job as a family, especially me, I think just not especially, but specifically just me. Uh, I didn't get ahead of myself. I didn't go, I've made it. This is it as pilots for sure going like, this is awesome. Cause I kind of been through it with this small CBC pilot where everyone's like, this thing's going to go. Like it was the son of Ron James who's this pretty successful Canadian comedian. And everyone's like, well, Ron James's show is going to go. He said like four specials with CBC. And then that didn't go. Mm-hmm. So even though everyone had said it's going to go. And that's the thing I've learned pretty quickly in this industry is that when you're on a pilot, everyone tells you that this isn't really a pilot. It's, going to just be a series and this is a formality and then it almost never goes, uh, <laughs> you know, you realize that, Oh, okay. And then having that experience early on was pretty valuable. We were like, Oh, that show was, it wasn't even a real pilot. It was supposed to be a formality. And then, you know, someone decides that they don't want to do it. Uh, so it's crazy because I had kind of had this whole thing in my mind that maybe I was about to take this next step. And it's this, it's just the crazy luck of the draw where I had worked with another producer on a Hallmark movie the year before he had wanted to cast me in one episode of this goosebump show. They were doing um, this thing called the haunting hour, which was sort of like an RL Stein. It was like a goosebumps mm. thing. Uh, every episode had a different cast. And uh, he had tried to put me in the first episode. And because of my hold with the pilot, it just didn't work out. They wouldn't let me do it. So when I found out that I didn't get this, you know, we called up Dan and we said, Hey, cause he was a friend too. We were like, Hey Dan, you know, like, um, if you, you know, want to, I I'm free. Unfortunately, the pilot did not go. And so, um, you know, I'm, fr- I, you know, I'm free, you know, whenever you want to put me in an episode, if you still want to, you know, I'll be free. Mm-hmm. And he went to the casting director of the pilot of the show here in Vancouver. The show was in Vancouver, not in LA, even though he's an American producer, but, uh, you know, the casting was out of Vancouver mainly. Uh, they were sort of offer only a lot of the American people they bring in. And he said, okay, so Brendan, you know, he's, and this guy knew me, he'd seen me audition for years in Vancouver. So he had some sense for us. He goes, oh, you know, Brendan can, can do this now. So we should look for something to put him in. And the casting director, um, Stuart Aikens went, oh, Bre- Brendan is, um, is free. He's not doing that pilot anymore. And, and Dan went, no. And he went, well, I'm casting for this multi-camera show called Mr. Young. That's, that's going to be the first multi-camera sitcom in Vancouver. And it's with these American writers who are Canadian and had written for like, but had gone and written for like Sweet Life of Zack and Cody and Smart Guy and all these Disney Channel shows. And they want to do a show here in Canada. Um, I got to bring him in. And they had been doing this all summer, right? They had been auditioning for this show, Mr. Young, all summer. And I had not auditioned for it because I was doing this pilot. I was under contract. It wouldn't have been, but they'd been doing this huge search. And it's crazy because I'm like the last person that ever auditioned for this thing. It was like they had already <laughs> narrowed it down. Like they had literally already done a round of callbacks and they had narrowed it down to maybe like four or five guys. And I think maybe there was a couple other people that wound up coming in at this stage, but it was very small amount. And I don't know how many really. It could literally have just been me or it could have been a couple people. And so, yeah, they were like, oh, Stuart wants you to audition for this thing. And so we just went on a little trip to Vancouver. My grandparents, one of my grandparents lived near there. So whatever. And I auditioned for this thing, Mr. Young, and like just went in and auditioned and did the thing and left. And it's crazy because I, I really do believe like it's this crazy thing where I'm not even sure I ever would have auditioned for it if I hadn't had this weird other thing, you know, like this two day role I did on Hallmark in 2009. I just don't know if like it all would have lined up for me to get this part that really changed everything. Mm-hmm. If it hadn't been that too. And this other thing, like I hope it's been, it maybe been confusing to track, but it's just, it's so weird. It's like that strange, you know, everything kind of lined up that this casting director could find out that I was available again. Yeah. Um, Cause I just don't think any of us would have thought like, well, you're free. Now you got to go in for Mr. Young. Cause Mr. Young had been a thing. I mean, I sort of missed the window supposedly um, to go in for the first read. 
And so then I get a call and they go, okay, you know, Mr. Young, uh, they want to, they want you to come and audition for the creator. And so the creators has got uh, Dan Signer, uh, who write, he uh, had written on Sweet Love is and Cody, and he had created the show Ant Farm, which was on Disney Channel around the same time as Mr. Young was on Disney XD. And so I went, so long story short, I went, I auditioned for the show Mr. Young. And I get it. And so it's this crazy thing where I had, and, and they said, oh, we heard that you had done a sitcom pilot in, in, I guess maybe they had talked to somebody and heard that. So the, the, the pilot in LA had really helped, right. Mm-hmm. Kind of be like, oh, this guy had already booked something in LA and it didn't go, but this is like, it was just kind of that perfect thing. Cause so much of acting, right. So much of it is, you know, yes, you want to do a good job as a performer, but so much of it is having the right credits and, and having the right sort of, credentials that that you're seen as a valuable piece to add right like i mean it's sad to say but so much of that and it gets even more and more like that you know i have friends who are producers and things where you know you you know to get funding for something you know you have to you get a list of like these are the types of guys you need and you know for you to get funding they need to be a person who's been in a movie of this size and all Mm -hmm. this stuff you know it's 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 never just who's the best actor it's always these other things and so i do think you know having done this pilot in america even though it didn't go was really helpful so basically, yeah, I had this whole thing where I expected that in the fall, not expected, but was preparing that there was a real possibility that I was going to be the lead on this show and leave Edmonton uh, in the fall of 2010. And it wound up happening, but it was a different show Yeah, because <laughs> this show had already been picked up. It had already been picked up. It was 26 episodes already. Uh, yeah, they'd already gotten a full order from YTV, which is a Canadian, uh, one of the main kids channels here in Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, so it's just this crazy, it's this crazy thing. So, so that's kind of what I'm saying where I I kind of hit this stage where I was, you know, 15 and wasn't sure what I wanted to do or, or if I was going to go to school or, or or I was also even looking ahead to maybe going to theater school somewhere and all the, and 18, you know, was I going to start working my way up to to do a theater school thing? Uh, And then boom, this thing where they're basically like, okay, we need you in Vancouver from, you know, September 2010 to May 11th. And this is season one. And this thing might go for however, right? It's not even like a closed off experience. Yeah. It's, well, it's, um, it's also weird to me. Like, um, like you're 15 and now you're now working like what, like full right. time, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And well, I mean, as we continue to talk about, we'll get to that. We're like, that's, this is probably the window here these next few years where I have the most normal job that I've ever had too. <laughs> like where I went to work five days a week, you know, from like nine to five or nine to work late on one night. Uh, and that was it. Uh, and so this is kind of the first time going back to the, the idea of family. This was really the first time where I think my parents, even though they've been so supportive and done so many trips to Vancouver and all this different stuff, they'd already done so much. But this was the first time where it was really like, okay, for, and again, it was in, no, not a hard decision because I had a real job and it was 26 episodes and it wasn't like a whim, but, but they were like, okay, I guess this is it. Like you finally gotten to a point where, where we have to adjust our, our whole life, you know, mm-hmm. for this thing. And obviously my dad didn't stop being optometrist. My mom and him had grown this practice. So basically my mom, my brother and I moved to Vancouver, um, got a place near the studio and my dad flew back and forth. He kept working three wow. days, you know, three, four days a week. Yeah. And so it was tough. It was tough. I mean, it, it didn't cause any, any real drama because we had a, a tight family unit. So it wasn't something that, you know, like we said, there weren't these cracks that were ready to be exposed. You know, mm-hmm. we were, we were strong enough to withstand it, but it was tough because we were this tight unit and all of a sudden, you know, but I think what in hindsight, what I think is really beautiful is that, you know, my brother, he was probably like 12. I think him being homeschooled kind of meant that he was able to just come with us. Yeah. Like him coming with us was a very sort of like, 
never question thing. And you wonder like, would my younger brother have just stayed? Like if he was mm-hmm. 13 and was in school, would there been something of like, well, you're going to stay and be in school and with dad, well, he works. And then, and, and I think that would have been too bad. Cause I think that would have created this crazy at that time, right. This sort of gulf between my brother and I just visit phys- just physically, right. Mm-hmm. Not literally in terms of our emotions, but we, we wouldn't have been living in the same city for maybe ever, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so looking back, tying it back to our earlier conversation, I think that's just one of the sort of blessings of homeschooling was that this, my brother and I still are so close to this day. And I think it's when you look back at it, that could have been a crazy life-changing thing where I go off to do the show. He stays in Edmonton and, you know, we never live under the same roof again, really for an extended period of time. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's just, it's honestly, it's, it's touching like how much your, your parents were, willing to uh to sacrifice right like to i mean even just like the homeschooling itself right like they're dedicating so much of their time um you know schooling for most parents is what gives them a break it gets the kids out of the house it like allows them to to breathe a little bit um but uh but they dedicated their lives to uh to you guys and uh to the point where they were like they even you know, uh, like had this with like, your dad had to, to fly back and forth. Like, yeah. That's, uh, well, because, that's because this is the thing is that they dedicate our lives to us, but also this business, you know, yeah. my dad has this practice. It's not like they didn't have a, a, a something going on, mm-hmm. you know, my yeah, dad, sure. he helped manage this and you know, he was going to work. So it's this crazy thing where they also built that at the same time as sort of building this family unit. Um, but the, uh, yeah. So then, so that's kind of, but so that's kind of where it changes, right. Where all of a sudden, instead of it being, you know, I'm this guy living in Edmonton who wants to be an actor and does, does, you know, the odd job here and there, and maybe does the odd, professional theater job here and there, but I'm not to now. Yeah. I'm on this show called Mr. Young. I'm in Vancouver, 26 episodes, four or five days a week. Uh, and it, it's interesting when you talk about like the high school, cause what's really kind of, I always think really kind of weird and funny about, cause the show Mr. Young was about this kid genius. So it was a bit of a Doogie Howser type thing where mm. the idea was he was this kid genius who had graduated high school at a really young age and was already like working at all like MIT and all this sort of stuff. And then when he was 14, he realized he never had the high school experience. And so mm-hmm. takes a job as a high school science teacher to be around <laughs> kids his own age. Right. So that he can wow. actually, you know, uh, yeah. So it's, it's very funny when you look back on it because he, 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 and I always joke that I didn't go to high school, but I went to that, that set yeah. <laughs> three, you know, five days a week, six, uh, you know, 16 to almost 18. It was about two and a half years. Cause it went three seasons. Wow. Uh, and, and that was like a high school experience for me, you know, it was, you know, seeing the same people day in and day out and having, you know, now bosses like teachers, right. People mm-hmm. who, you know, expected things from me, expected me to come prepared and expected me to, you know, be on time and all this different stuff. Uh, and again, it's, it's great now. Cause I'm still friends with so many of the actors from that show and, and I don't live in Vancouver anymore. So I don't see them all the time. And it is that funny thing where they are, are almost like high school friends you keep in touch with, you know, yeah. where you're like, Oh my God, remember when we were, remember when we saw each other every day yeah. uh, for three years and we were like bonded and we were like in the fire together. And, and then you see them now and, and it's just wild, you know? And again, that's the whole thing too. You see people grow up, you know, it's like uh, some of the adult actors on that show were, um, you know, they had young kids and now their kids are like the same age I was when I started doing the show.
show, you know, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's sort of, that's the moment, right? Where it really changes. I, yeah. I had American representation through the pilot and then sort of at a certain point I transition. I have a different American representative that I got in 2011 than that initial one, but I've been now with the same guys uh, at the Gersh agency for 10 years now. Um, I guess it's 10 years this fall or yeah, I guess so. Which is crazy as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the point where, okay, now I've got American agent. I'm auditioning for American projects. I'm on this show. Um, you know, I'm really essentially, um, giving it a real go now. Yeah. You know? Working actor. At, at, yeah, at, yeah. So how does that even work at, at 15? I mean, like I had like, uh, you know, like part-time jobs. Uh, where I like uh, made some pocket money. Uh, but like you're, I mean, you're getting paid as a full-time actor at 15. Like, how does that even work? Yeah. So how it works, I mean, I'm trying to, it's now so many years ago, but yeah. So basically what they'll do is, is you are essentially paid. I mean, you just set up a, you know, corporation or something or a company or your own bank account or you do get paid. Mm -hmm. Um, but what they do actually is they, they do because of, you know, horror stories of parents spending all their kids money. Right. Uh, uh, they, there is an account where they're actually putting like a certain percentage of it, which I can't remember now what percentage was, but they actually are putting a certain amount of money away for you. I think for when you turn 21, um yeah so so that's how they kind of protect against it but yeah you're i mean you're just yeah you're getting you know whatever the actual pay uh pay was yeah which were you just like say it's like saving that or like uh... yeah yeah because i mean you know i mean obviously you know i was you know had a place in in um you know i was had expenses being in vancouver Mm -hmm. you know um and and had expenses because look now that i'm doing the show in vancouver uh, I'm doing a whole new uh, circuit, which is I'm flying to LA for callbacks. Yeah. You know, I'm flying to LA to, you know, I'm back in that. And that's why I say a lot of Canadian actors who grow up in Vancouver or Toronto kind of don't have, they kind of skip the step that I had, right. Which is being at Edmonton and having this extra leap, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but, but usually, yeah. So now I'm sort of, so that's also, you know, where it's going, but other than that, yeah, just trying to save it. Cause obviously I'm not, I'm still living with my parents too. Right. Yeah. Uh, so then, um, so you work on the show, uh, like what, what is, what is the next, uh, jump from there? Yeah. So, uh, I guess it's interesting to, to say, so yeah, I work on this show, which again was a great, was a great experience. It was really, really fun. And it was a really good blending of the two things that I did because it, since it, we filmed in front of a live audience on Fridays, so you wouldn't have to memorize the whole show and do it like a play, but you would do it in front of an audience at the end of the end of the day, end of the week. So it's kind of fun. It was this fun mix of the two. Hmm. So the next, I guess the next kind of jump, well, the next kind of jump. And again, this is all sort of like weird sort of uh, tech, technical stuff, but this is, this is sort of the, the, the nuts and bolts of what it actually takes, takes to you know have any kind of acting career, especially coming from another country is that what happens as a Canadian actor is you actually don't have a visa to work in the States. Right. Hmm. So you, you wind up in this really, really interesting situation where yes you're auditioning for things in america but you can't actually just like go and live there and tr- so what so basically the show ends in 2013 uh, i have canadian rep i have american representation but i haven't done anything in the states right mm-hmm. um i've done some good stuff up the filmed up in vancouver that aired in the states and things but now the show is over it's been a great run early 2013 and now i've got great representation in the states so i'm well set up but now it's basically like, I got to get the next thing, right? This is over. I got to get the next, whatever the next thing's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm in a tricky spot because I don't have a visa. So I can't just move to LA or if I wanted to and start, you know, being a waiter and trying to get a job or, 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 or I, I guess I could like have built up money from the show, but you know, you can't, you, you can't even do like an indie that has no money. 
right? Or mm-hmm. a guest star role because they're not going to pay for a visa. So you're sort of in this weird zone where you have to find like that project that's like the sweet spot that it's successful enough that they'll pay for a visa for you, but right. but not you know not so you know, big that it's really hard for you to get. Cause you're not like, you know, obviously the lead of the next, you know, superhero movie is going to pay for your visa, but are you going to get that when you haven't done anything in America? Like maybe, but that's a bit of a, you know, yeah. that's not as reasonable. Uh, and so I guess, I guess that project was the guest, you know, I get the guest in 2013. Um, they're kind of a similar story to the mystery, to the initial thing it was in LA auditioning for something else. They said, Hey, can you go in for this too while you're here? I went in for that, wound up getting that and not the thing I went to LA to audition for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just funny, but yeah. And that was great. Cause that was a project where they're like, yeah, yeah, we don't mind that you're from out of town. You know, it's not like it was an independent film, but it wasn't like a no money movie. Um, so they said, yeah, we'll, we'll get a visa for you. You know, you're our choice for this. You know, I was like the third lead or whatever, like, great, we'll get a visa for you. And I was able to turn that into then an open, you know, visa where mm-hmm. I was now able to come for two and a half called Oh one where I was able to come, so, so I did that. And then kind of moving back to the family thing, the next sort of turn in the story was because, again, my parents were never really, even though they were, as you can see, intensely supportive, it was never, you know, they had their own business. And my yeah. brother was also, a, you know, a part of our family. So, and he kind of flourished in Vancouver and was sort of doing competitive cheerleading and all this stuff. And so the, the, the feeling was not, okay, Mr. Young is over. Now let's all move to LA. Right. And keep mm-hmm. pursuing the idea was, well, you know, this is good. We did, you did Mr. Young. You're in a great spot. You actually have a career now. You have like real exciting credits. Um, let's stay in Vancouver, you know, where we're set up here. It's, you know, we're, you can stay in Vancouver. Lachlan's now my younger brother has a life here. It's tough. Cause my dad is still flying back and forth, but you know, it's not like we're all going to go back to Edmonton now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a community there now and I'm going to keep auditioning and first off in person in Vancouver. And I'm going to keep, you know, going to LA. And what's funny is the decision to move to LA, which is the next kind of big thing in 2014 uh, is my brother, actually. Uh, uh, this is, I'll keep this part short because it's not as relevant, but I, I had another thing in early 2014 where I auditioned for a pilot, got a pilot in America. And it looked like I might be moving to America to do this pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my brother looked into where he could start doing cheerleading there. Cause he thought, well, if we're going to go to LA, like maybe I could cheer there. Yeah. And he was able to get in touch and he got a tryout for like this really great team, California all-stars that cheers um, out of San Marcos near San Diego. And yeah. then that pilot didn't get picked up. So we were like, okay, we're not <laughs> moving, but he still had the audition. He still had the tryout. And then I was there for, I wound up being there for something else, auditioning for something else at that time. And he went, well, can I still go try out? Like, this is a really competitive, difficult team, but it's the best in the world. Like, this is one of the best in the world. Like I probably won't get on, but like, if I got on this, you know, it would be unbelievable. I could have a chance to win the worlds in cheerleading. This is like, cause cheerleading hasn't really developed to the point where right now the most competitive cheerleading as a sport is like between American states, right? It's mm-hmm. like the team from Florida, the team from Texas, the team from California, right. the team from probably somewhere else, Georgia, and they're all fighting it out, you know, at the world. So it's super competitive, but it's still pretty centralized. There's some teams from Canada that do well too. And so he went and auditioned for this team and he got on, he got in, like he's, you know, obviously like at this point he was still very, you know, he was getting it by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. But they offered him a spot. Uh, and it was this crazy thing where we were like, Oh my God. And my parents were like, well, I mean, it's, it's not like we can just say to him, well, we're not moving, you know, yeah. for your, you know, for your career. And this really was a big opportunity, you know, for him, this was, he. and just to flash forward, my brother's a cheerleading coach. Now that's his job. He's a salaried coach that's awesome. in Toronto and being on this team has been invaluable to him. 
Um, I'm sure if this was a Terran show about my brother, this would be the moment, you know, yeah. where he got on this thing <laughs> where he got on this team and it changed his life. And that's why he's now a cheerleading coach and is being paid to be a cheerleading coach, you know? Um, so it was massive for him. So it, 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 it's not one of these things where it really was my brother's moment where he was like, I got to go to LA, you know? And he mm-hmm. was, um, he was only, you know, 17. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Or ooh, maybe even younger, maybe 16. And he was like, I got to go, you know? And so my parents were like, well, we, we have to sort of, we're going to pursue this too. And it was better for me anyway. Right. Because I had a visa and I, um, it was better for me to be in LA anyway. It wasn't like it, but, it, but this was kind of the push where it's like, okay, now it's not just, we're moving to LA. So Brendan can audition and hope it's like, well, now Lachlan right. has this real opportunity. So now we can, we're going to move to LA and do mm-hmm. it's crazy, you know, get rid of the place in Vancouver, move to LA, uh, and, and do that, do basically do the same thing we've been doing in Vancouver, but in LA. So Lachlan can pursue this real tangible opportunity and I can essentially pursue my tangible sort of opportunities, my non-tangible at this point, but you know, had an agent, had a visa, the opportunities, uh, more fully. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's crazy. So, so yeah, so we basically go and do that. Uh, so that, and that change, I think that really changed my whole, trajectory so we go and do that and my dad comes back and forth and and so we were now we're now in la we're now living in orange county we're living in irvine Uh, yeah so because it's crazy we're living in irvine because we move and it's like okay i'm gonna need to be in la for auditions he's gonna need to be in san marcos yeah for cheer if we want to stay together as a family, we actually have to pick somewhere in the middle, yep. which is not convenient for either. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's the worst. It's not good for either person, but it's the way we live under the same roof, right? Because there's no way that that we're living in L.A. and he's driving to San Marcos four or three times. A week. That's oh, just yeah, like insanity. Yeah. And there's no way that I'm living in San Marcos. And I'm not I mean, I could get an audition the day the night before you know what i mean it was it was bad enough having to drive an hour and a half every day to do auditions if it was an 11 o'clock appointment i mean it, so anyway so yeah. yeah we're living in irvine now and it's like crazy and it's you know it, it, it's this whole crazy thing and and so then we were doing that and then the next thing is really voa where uh right around the time that uh again it, these things have kind of come at a really good time you mm-hmm. know is right around the time where my brother's cheer thing was going to finish up uh, that spring, it was going to finish up that spring and he was going to age out and he was going to have to maybe, you know, go do a cheer elsewhere or something. Um, I, 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 and that would have been a really big thing where it's like, okay, so what do we do? Cause we no longer have to be here. Uh, I booked this job, which is now again, a steady job and I'm, you know, 21 or whatever. And now I'm, you know, I have an actual tangible job here for a few years. Uh, and so then I move out on my own. So it's just crazy because getting the OA really kind of winds up. It was this crazy thing where, I book away in the fall. Uh, I leave in February to go to the away for five months in New York. I leave our place in Irvine. And when I come back, my brother and my mom have already moved back to Canada mm-hmm. because they're done. And I move, I come back to the empty apartment where we used to live and yeah. my dad and I pack it up and move me into my new place. It's crazy. That's actually in Los Angeles where I'm still to this day. Yeah. Uh, so what was, uh, what was that like? I mean, this is your first like American show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what What was it like? Uh, like filming that? Yeah, it's interesting, and it's funny because I I feel like this is just sort of the development of the whole conversation, and also how I view too. If If Mr. Young was high school, this is sort of like my college experience. <laughs> yeah, you know, like this is sort of you know, it's 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 wild the way that I've sort of had these things that I can point to because you know, Mr. Young was I'm in Vancouver, I'm going to the same thing. 
I'm doing schoolwork at the same time, but I'm working. And this was you're flying across the country, living on your own for the first time mm-hmm. with a bunch of guys around the same age as you. Some people do something and you're living in New York and now you have this. So it was like this crazy, you know, uh, parallel to that. You know, it was mm-hmm. like I got went to school in New York for five months. You know, uh, all of a sudden I was in this small little apartment and I was doing the way and. That was really over. That was really overwhelming because I'd never lived on my own before, mm-hmm. and 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 I was in New York, which was which was amazing. But yeah, and, and but it was a lot of pressure because that was a big show, and um, it was a uh, it was a really sort of um, uh, you know intimidating. Not and everyone on the show was great, so it really wasn't that intimidating. But there were big people involved, and it was a Netflix show. And that was right kind of at the time where that was a big deal. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not, you know, obviously it, still, of, it still is, but I mean, that's when it was starting to be a big deal. Yeah. You know? I mean, that wasn't Even more like so that far after like house of cards, right? It wasn't, it wasn't, it was probably like a couple of years, a couple of years after. So it was, it was still in that first wave, big wave of Netflix programming, but it was still like, Oh man, wow. Like it, it weirdly was like, it was, but it was like just at the beginning of that wave, it was still a big deal, but yeah. And so but it was like a big thing, you know, it was produced by like Brad Pitt's company, all this different stuff. So that was a big, a big deal. Uh, and there was a lot of pressure of like going and hoping that to do a good job and, you know, working with all these different people. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was this sort of wild two handed thing where it was a lot of this wild, exciting thing uh, acting wise. But then also I had a lot of free time there mm-hmm. and I had a lot of like just living on my own in, in New York City, you know. Yeah. First time I met Rob Sestermino. Very cool. Was, that was during that. <laughs> oh yeah. You, Actually, if we if we want to limit it back to Rob, yeah, if we want to look it back to our half of the year, yeah, I uh, I was in. It was crazy because I was in New York. Oh no, actually, I lied. It was not the first time I met Rob Sestermino. It was the first time I really met him where he knew who I was because I had actually gone to a Big Brother thing, a Big Brother live thing with Brendan and Rachel in like Brea or something. Like when I was living in Earth, oh, yeah. I, I had gone and I had talked to Rob briefly, but it was very much like a. I met the, he was like, Hey, Hey, you know, like it was very brief, but this yeah. was actually like, we had corresponded a little bit and he knew, you know, cause we were talking about maybe, maybe doing something for the fear of the walking dead episode that I did. Mm-hmm. And so I actually went, I actually went to, uh, to the live nodals for co-wrong. That was the first RHAP event I'd really gone to really properly. Uh, and it was fun. Actually, it was really fun. But, and I talked to Rob afterwards, but yeah, that it was actually during this time when I was living on my own in LA that I went to uh, a live nodals, which is funny. Yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, so, uh, so I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious because, um, I know that for, um, because I, I know that you are a lover of movies. Um, mm-hmm. and I know that when I was in college and I was like, 
learning more about screenwriting and uh, all of this stuff. Like one of the first things my screenwriting professor told us was like, uh, like I'm, I'm about to like ruin movies for you. Like you're never going to be able to see them <laughs> the same way uh, after right. I tell you about all of these things. Um, and I don't know that, that I uh, agree with him now. Um, but at the time I did like, especially when I was immersed in it, um, you know, I started looking at movies differently, um, you know, in terms of like structure and different moments and like how things were written. And I'm sure I'm, I know I, I, I certainly look at them differently now than I did before, but, uh, not necessarily in a, in a, in a bad way. Um, do you feel the same way? Like, do do you feel like as an actor, um, you like, and some people go on big brother and feel this way. Like the magic is lost, uh, because they've seen the inner workings of it. Uh, it, it, how has being an actor changed or shaped the way that you, uh, engage in, in movies? Yeah. Well, certainly the magic hasn't been lost. I mean, I think what's really interesting is that it, it absolutely has so I'll talk about that first, but I think there's also some ways where it actually hasn't, which is interesting too. But the, the main thing I would say is I think absolutely you're just going to start viewing movies differently. And I think specifically I've started to view acting differently mm-hmm. over, over the years, I think. And again, as I talk about this, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying I have a better understanding of acting than someone who isn't, or that I have am more knowledgeable about it or know what good acting really is <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. I don't want to say that at all. But I do feel like I have a slightly different, I engage with it slightly differently because of having done it. Like I actually do feel now, I feel like having done so much acting class, devoting so much time, watching so much, and even having literally done it myself and even seeing great people do it in front of me. Um, yeah, I think it, I feel like I, I watch performance a lot differently now where uh, certainly there are performances every year that people are like, well, that's great acting. And I'm like, I don't really think so, because I don't think that's really as hard as it seems, mm-hmm. you know, to people who are like I, I for me, I've started to really as I get older, I get so drawn to these performances. Cause I think when I was really young and wanted to be an actor when I was like a teenager, because I've kept lists over the years of my favorite performances. And it, I have often gone back and changed things. I have been surprised how often. And as I get into my 20s, I'd be like, you know what? Back then, I thought because that person yelled really loud and cried or because that <laughs> yeah. person was really, really a different person. I thought that was the performance of the year. And now I realize that, you know, that stuff is not as hard to do if there's not a level of control and craft to it. And so I've really started to be drawn. There's this show called um, Unscripted, uh, which was on HBO in like 2005, which was actually produced by George Clooney and Grant Heslov and Soderbergh and Clooney directed a bunch of it too. And it's about these three actors struggling to make it in Los Angeles. And it's so, it only went one season and it probably only went one season because maybe it was a little bit too inside baseball, a little bit Mm -hmm. too, you know, a little bit too, but it's so great if you're an actually an actor or or if you're interested in seeing what that's like. Um, And there's a great scene where Frank Langella plays their acting coach and he goes, the guy comes in and he has an acting class scene and he sort of has to, it's just him talking about like getting a coffee with his friend or something. And he goes to Langella, the teacher, he goes, come on, man. He goes, there's nothing to do. I have nothing here to play. Like, I'm not upset. I'm not this. I'm not that. And Langella goes, anyone can yell. Anyone can, oh, I'm crying. But who can, who can make having a conversation with, a, with their friend about a cup of coffee compelling and natural and real and feel authentic? And I think that that's a way that I always look at performance now that I feel because I've been in it is that I realize I'm like, well, yeah, I guess it is kind of easy to just do an obvious choice or take on an obvious voice and and do it in a way where you can see it is happening. Mm-hmm. And the greatest actors, the ones that the performances that blow me over every, you know, every year are always the ones where I walk out of the theater 
And it's only after the movie do I realize that that actor transformed, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's very easy to watch a performance and go, wow, this, I can't even see them because they're so different. And there's another thing where you walk out and go, I feel like Oscar Isaac is a recent actor that I feel did this to me time and time again, where I saw him in Inside Lewin Davis and I thought, wow, what a great performance, you know, very subtle, very good. Okay. And then I saw him in A Most Violent Year where he played a totally different character. And then I saw him in Ex Machina and one, he was like a mad scientist guy. One, he was like a slick, you know, he was like a slick uh, businessman. One, he was like the struggling sort of folk artist. And I'm like, okay, you couldn't name like three very, very different characters. Yeah. They're so different. And somehow when I watched, uh, and I mean this in a great way, every time I watched him, I loved the performance but also was sort of like, well, yeah, this is, you know, this is Oscar Isaac's role. Yeah. Okay. This is Oscar Isaac. Okay. He's giving this good performance. Cool. I didn't think, oh my gosh, Oscar Isaac is, look at the way he's walking. Look at the way he's, you know, changing. <laughs> you know, he was so immersed. He was so immersed in these three different, and that's when I started to really think, oh my God. And I talked to other actors and had actors who talked about this and spoke about, you know, chasing that sort of effortlessness and that feeling of freedom and that feeling of, Oh my God. You know, I think there's like a great quote about like Michael Caine where he says, you know, people don't cry. They try not to cry, but they Mm -hmm. can't help it. You know? Uh, And I I always think that that's sort of the, the whole thing. So, so I think those are the kinds of things, as you can see that it is different, I think. And like I said, it's it's different. And again, and I think that's, what's kind of wild about acting though. Right. Is it's, and that's true of art in general is that it is subjective. Mm -hmm. So maybe there'll be a performance in a given year that everyone will say is amazing and I will disagree. And maybe another friend of mine will disagree. But, but if they, if that many people were affected by it, it you can't really say, well, you know what? They're all wrong. Yeah. It didn't work <laughs> at all. And it's like, well, obviously that person is a talented actor because what they've done has somehow communicated it. I just now have this different weird view of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that anyone, when they look at their specific craft now has this weird specific view, not necessarily way better or way worse, but a different thing. And I think also, you know, I, I am interested in doing more writing and doing more directing. And as I've, I mean, I could, I could literally talk about this stuff all day is like, you know, now, now being a big movie guy who watches movies all the time. Yes. Now I watch certain films and I go, well, now I can see the narrative tricks or now because Mm -hmm. I consume way more movies than the average person, this thing that might be surprising or might feel unique is not feel unique to me. And so this movie does not work for me in the same way it works for somebody else because not so much because I know more. And I'm sure you feel this, you must feel this way too, because you are a movie guy as well. Is that like, there are movies that you're just like, well, now this to me is just not as interesting because I've consumed so much uh, more than the average person. So this thing is no longer unique to me or interesting, or this is just so I'm aware of the trope of this genre so much more because unlike the average person, I don't watch like two of these a year. I watch dozens yeah. over multiple decades you know? yeah I, like, I, and I, I, like i find myself drawn uh, to you know especially writing that like that really takes uh a gamble that like uh, that really right. like uh tries to do something different try like uh, does something that surprises me like that's mm-hmm. gonna matter a lot more to me than to like friends of mine that I talk about, you know, it too. Um, and I've, and I've had that happen before. I'm like, but did you, you see this movie where it just, I mean, it just like continually sideswiped me on the direction yes. it was going to go. Yes. And they were like, yeah, it just seemed boring though. And I was like, Oh, yeah. but I was so, uh, engrossed in it because of that. Um, but it's, no, it's, it's I, I think it's just a different way of, uh, of seeing them at some point. 
And you have different things too, where I have a, I have a, I have several friends who are big movie guys, but aren't big theater guys. Mm -hmm. And so every now and then there'll be a movie. Like I really love this movie mass that came out this year. Um, that's that I think was just in theaters now. And maybe it with um, actually Jason Isaacs from the OA is in it, but, uh, but it's like Jason Isaacs, Martha Plimpton, um, this guy, Reed Bernie, who's a terrific theater actor. I've seen a million things. And he was also on house of cards and, and Dowd. Um, it was, this, it was on handmaid's tale and stuff. And it really is just these four people sitting in a room for the large majority of the movie. It's like these four characters in a room and, and just look at it. It's really interesting movie, but, but it's interesting because even that I find I'm more predisposed predisposition to love a movie like that yeah. because I love theater. So if a movie is, you know, a bunch of people in a room talking and it's brilliantly written and brilliantly acted. I mean, again, I, it's like anything that's very hard to do, but if they hit it, I'll go, well, that's one of my favorite movies of the year. Cause it yeah. was like the buzz I feel when I see theater, you know, is that I don't need more than brilliant writing and great acting and, and ride that wave. And I love the rhythm of a real, I love the rhythm of a real time conversation because I've seen so much theater and someone who's a big theater guy might be like, Oh, I liked that, but it was lower for me because this, um, you know, we all bring our own little specific, uh, because of our background, you're bringing different stuff to it. Just like someone who's maybe a cinematographer mm -hmm. will have a movie where you'll be like, well, that was really just, and they'll be like, who cares? Cause I'm a cinematographer. And like, that was the most beautiful visual lighting. I, I was all told through picture and light. And why would I care that there was no story? Because that was my, my jam, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's funny what you talked about with acting as well, or I feel, I feel like this is probably true for like all departments of yeah. filmmaking where, like, cause I, I know when I was, you know, uh, I eventually was like, I'd prefer to be an editor. Um, and, mm -hmm. Uh, like in, in editing classes, like the big thing is, you know, the best editing is the one that you, is the, the editing that you don't realize is there. Yes, exactly. Um, exactly. And, and it's like, that's basically the same thing you just said about acting. I'm sure like cinematographers yes. feel similarly right. as well. Like, uh, like you don't want to stand out too much most of the time. Um, no, except for in, in the exception is in like the, the sort of like the paradox of it is that like, once you understand how to do that, I feel like then you're able to stand out really well, yeah, right? There, there's an amazing, there's a really cool scene in the new Wes Anderson movie, The French Dispatch. Um, I don't know if you've seen it I yet. I did or, see that but, one, yeah. Oh, you did see it. Okay, so the scene where, because this isn't a spoiler, there's that scene where Benicio Del Toro is an artist, right? And he's mm -hmm. this abstract artist and his, his art is modern art and it's confusing. <laughs> and Adrian Brody is the critic goes, I believe in him because I asked him to draw a yes, bird. Yep. <laughs> and he did it. And I, so, I was like, that's so genius. Like He asks him to explain for people who haven't seen the movie, so they understand what we're talking about. But I, I uh, basically, Benicio Del Toro is this artist and he draws modern art and it's very, it's like, doesn't look like anything. And he goes, hey, look, I painted this woman and it looks nothing like a woman. Mm -hmm. uh, and it looks like just a bunch of colors. And Adrian Brody, who plays this art critic who finds him and gets excited about him says i asked him to draw a bird and he drew it meticulously and beautifully a simple sparrow he can he can draw the most beautiful looking sparrow uh but he chooses to draw this other way yeah this is not so i know <laughs> this i know which is because an interesting commentary about art he goes i believe that this nonsense insanity is genius because he knows how to do it the right way yeah but chooses to do it this crazy way and thinks that looks better. And I think mm -hmm. that's what, what we're getting at in all of these crafts is that you have to have this understanding of the fundamentals uh, of it um, in some way to then sort of like paint outside, outside the lines. But I, but I think it's interesting because as acting, it's like, it is figuring out that balance. And like I said, I, mean, I may have a totally, and I think what's really thrilling and I felt this way about the movies that I enjoy, the performances that I enjoy I have such a radically different opinion on some of them. Now, some of them are the same, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I watch a movie or I watch a performance in a film 
from when I was 15 and really getting into it and making these lists. And I go, oh, I completely agree with myself at 15. I was absolutely right. That's the best performance of the year, or that's an incredible movie. 100%, I feel exactly the same way. Or, but then there's sometimes where I disagree and I go, oh my gosh, I go, what was that dude thinking? Like, what was, how is this in the top five? I got to move this out. This is, you know, I got to write this wrong from my past. This is a a catastrophe. Um, (laughs) you know, uh, uh, and, uh, and I, so I'm, I'm excited to see where I'm at in, you know, another 10 years. What will I, what, what did I watch this year? that I'm buzzing about that I think is awesome in 10 years. Am I going to go further down this hole? Am I going to overcorrect? Oh, sorry. Uh, correct back. Am I going to go, you know what? And maybe I was too hard on this type of stuff. Mm. Maybe, you know, you, you, I've even seen that at times. It's so, so that's, what's exciting about being a, a lover of art and, and any kind of craft that, that you have, you know, I think that you're constantly going to be looking back 10 years from now. And, and I think that's the, if I can say anything, just in a philosophical kind of way, that may be the biggest thing that I feel I've learned in general being in my twenties is that I was so things can shift so much more than I thought they could when I was 16. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was 16, people would be like, well, watch it again when you're older. And I think, oh, come on, yeah. that's not, that's not tr- like beginning older is not necessarily going to make me love this movie more. And, you know, uh, you, and sometimes it doesn't, like I said, sometimes I'll go, you know what? I still don't get this movie that everyone says is great. I still mm-hmm. don't get this. Yeah. And it's, I'm way older now than I was and then there's these other movies where you just watch them and you go, okay, you know what? I've lived a little more life. It's not that I'm more mature or something like that. It's that I just have a little more life experience to yep. put into this. And now this movie that's sort of like riffing on these things in a sort of subtle way that you can only key emotionally into this movie. If you see yourself in it, I can see myself in it, not because I'm smarter or more mature, but because I've lived things that you only live when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, or more. And you're like, Oh my God. Or you have a better understanding of your whole, who you're with. You see your parents in it because you see your parents, you have a different, a better view of your parents. And they say, Oh my God, that's them. Oh my God. You know, now this movie has me right in the, in the heart, you know, when, when I watched it, when I was 16, I was like the movie and never thought about it again, you know, now I'll think about it forever. <laughs> yeah. F- for me, the, the, the most like the biggest and most glaring example of that was, uh, the before trilogy where like, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. when I watched before sunset, um, I was, I was so disappointed. I mean, it was, I still uh, recognize that it was good, but I was so disappointed because it was so different from the like the pure ah, yes. uh, yeah. idealistic romantic view of before sunrise right right um and then they come back for before sunrise and things haven't really worked out uh and i was like oh that's so lame like uh and, and <laughs> yeah, i just yeah. couldn't relate to the fe- that feeling of of having failed um and ah. like not being happy like where you were um and all of those things and then I came back to it years later and I was like, oh, wow, this is probably even a better movie than the previous one. <laughs> like, yeah, that's kind of why I am too, actually, where I, I love those. I always did love all the movies, but yeah, I, uh, I, I think I, I, the first time I watched them, I think the first one was my favorite and mm-hmm. the most recent rewatch. I think I've seen them all three times. And I think the most recent, the recent, recent watch, I, I think number two is definitely my favorite. Um, and maybe, maybe once I, you know, once I've been married for a long time, if that happens, and like, maybe then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what? Three is the one. That's yep. it. <laughs> I was wrong, you know, or maybe at some point I'll go back to one, you know, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, that's, that's so such a fun, fun thing about it. Um, and yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah it's, it's, it's interesting with the, you know, the sort of, um, yeah, the way the way you sort of wind up getting shifted on these on these things. And and it's interesting because being in the industry, you also have interesting, you know, 
uh, things that happen where sometimes a big movie you'll have audition for it. So you had a sense oh, of yeah. it beforehand. Oh, that's, you know. that's got to be rough. Like, I, I feel like like I, for me, at least like uh, like if I like if I like a negative association with something uh, like I just like don't want it in my life. But like, yeah, I can imagine like if you've if you've auditioned for something and this is actually kind of close to what I wanted to ask you next, which is like mm-hmm. as an actor, you deal a lot with rejection. You mm-hmm. started very early. Um, and like, how does that impact you? But uh, so maybe you're a lot better equipped to deal with it. But like for me, if I had auditioned for something like as as me right now, if I auditioned for something. I'm excited mm-hmm. about it. Like yeah. maybe I even like get close to it. I'm thinking yeah. about like, okay, this might be my life for the next, you know, few months. Um, yeah. like this might be me. And then I don't get it. And then it comes out, especially if it would, if it was then like yes. super successful and it was yes. like, everyone was talking about it. I would just like, I would hate my yeah. life. Right. Which, 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 which I, I, I re- <laughs> look, I will, I don't want to, I probably will never talk about specific projects publicly because i always think it's just like a weird look of like and because somebody else got it somebody yeah, else yeah, did yeah. a good job and and it's never gonna sound right you know i yeah. know in my heart how close i was to getting you know insert project here right. uh you know and i've told people in a casual conversation i just don't want to put it out there into the universe mm-hmm. um because i'd rather it be just you know but there is one big one in sp- specifically and there's other little ones along the way but like there's a specific thing that that frankly will haunt will haunt me forever unless <laughs> I become immensely successful. Because because there's a part that I came really close to getting that was like hundred percent full on game changer. Like absolutely like if I'd gotten it and I was right there, I read with the person who did it, I was right in front of it, I was right there, I was one of two or three guys, you know, all these great stories that I've told on the on the podcast about hey yeah, I auditioned for this part and I was the guy and they picked me and my life changed forever I've been the other guy yeah. more times <laughs> way more times am I whoever the guy was that auditioned for Mr. Young that was second choice you know what I mean I've been that guy way more times um, and and there's a big part no it's true and it is, that is the dark side and that is the side of it that is really really tough where like and again it what's really tough about it is because I'm such a big movie fan if the movie's really talked about especially if it's like some kind of awards thing or anything I'll usually will have to go see it because I want to yeah. you know <laughs> complete my <laughs> so it, <laughs> and it's only happened once where I was like literally like I do not want to sit through this but um you know I you know I went anyway but I uh you know it, it, there is one specific big one and and I can talk about it in you know it is interesting because when you talk about there's one big one, there's a bunch of other little ones too. When you've had these ones where you go, okay, if I, if I got that, I'd be in a totally different zone. And I think it's only in the last couple of years that I've really started to just kind of let go of it and go, you know what? It is what it is. And it's so hard. Like you're saying, it's so hard to not kind of do the thing. And the thing is, is you're, you're right. Those projects will, will haunt you forever. You know, and the thing that I don't do though, which I think it happens all the time. And I hate when this happens. I do not have any ill will towards like, not even ill will. I don't even have joking ill will towards the actors that got these parts. Right. Cause I think what you see happens a lot. And I, this is what I don't like is that you get a lot of things where, and it's, you always can fall into it, but you know, the actor will go, Oh, so-and-so got that part. They're my nemesis. I don't like them. You know, they're, 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 you know, and I never feel that way about these people because, you know, they're just dudes audition for the part, you know, and that's it. And they didn't, they didn't, because what I think is really interesting about acting is it's not like a sport. It's not like, I always say, I always like to compare acting to golf because golf's my favorite sport and golf to watch and golf's a great sport because Oh, there's a winner. And, and it's why I love golf is that golf works in such a way in a lot of sports like this, but like a hundred guys start any golf tournament Mm -hmm. and there's a cut after two days. And that's kind of like getting a call back, right? Mm -hmm. Guys make it through the weekend. 
And if you walk on to a competitive golf tournament, especially if it's a major, like we're talking about a big part, a, light, a part that you could always you know, feel about. If you finish in the top five, that's like you're elite at what you're trying to do. Like yeah. You're finishing top five on a tough course against the best players. But no one literally in golf and look, golf's a bit different than auditioning for acting because you get a lot of money for finishing second. So it's a little bit different. But in terms of how you feel as a competitive person or as a passionate person, second means absolutely nothing. Yeah. You get absolutely nothing. for finish. Nobody cares. If you say, hey, I finished second at the Masters, people go, that sucks that you didn't win the Masters. I mean, it's cool, but like not really. Mm-hmm. Right. You just have to use it as fuel to, yeah. <laughs> you know win the masters eventually. Um, and maybe as you get older, you feel different, but that's the way it is. You get close on a great game changing part and people say, Hey, great job. You know, you did a good job. You know, you didn't blow it. Cause you know, I've auditioned for stuff where I felt I didn't do my best. Right. And then that, that sucks. Right. Where you go, Oh my God, like I didn't do my best, mm-hmm. but I've, but in a lot of the biggest moments that I can think of where I didn't get the part, thankfully I'm like, I remembered all the lines. I felt like I did a great job. I heard that I got good feedback and I believe it. Cause sometimes you hear good feedback and then I actually think, no, they're wrong. I suck. But you're like, no, I felt that was the best I could do. And that's fine. And, you know, why I compare it to golf and not to other sports is in golf, you play the course. You don't play mm-hmm. the other person. There's a player cannot prevent your ball from going in the hole. A player cannot affect you. It's not like tennis where they hit the ball so hard and so, so well that you cannot return it. And they yeah. are better than you at tennis on that day. Um, golf is all you. And that's what acting is like. You show up, you do your lines and you hope for the best. And you're in competition with somebody else, but you're not really against somebody else in the same way. Someone else is making a decision. Yeah, very, um, very American warrior. So uh, you guys against yeah. the course. <laughs> right, right. It is like Ameri- exactly like American Ninja Warrior in that way, in that in that you're you're doing doing the course and, and you can complete the course. And then if you're, yeah, five seconds a little bit slower than the other guy. You just don't win. And you think, oh, my gosh, I was faster than every other person that ran this course. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's uh, but somehow the one. That, and so that's the one thing I try not to do is, uh, you know, you, you but it, it's it, it can't be overstated how that is the other the other side of the coin. Right. Is is these things where and I, I find living in L.A. is is pretty fascinating because. And New York is the same way, but they're the two cities where that whole city is just billboards of movies and TV. Yeah. Right. Like, and maybe you've seen that now living on the West <laughs> yeah. Coast a little bit more in LA. And as an actor, it is wild because you walk the streets of the city or you drive and everywhere you look is the thing you're trying to do. You know, mm-hmm. everywhere you look is the new show. And, and, and look, I, I, you know, I'm not this massively successful actor, but I've even had moments. I mean, I've seen the OA on a billboard. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've yeah. walked up and looked at, I mean, I've even done better than a lot of people and I'm still far, far away from, you know, the ultimate goal or whatever that may be. Um, and it's tough when you're trying to make it because yeah, you, you know, you, you, you're going to come close on that big part. And then you're probably going to be walking under a big billboard of that <laughs> in a year, you know, and you're going to be looking up at it and going, oh, almost. Or or you're going to see other people, you know, uh, on those billboards and stuff, people you actually know, you know, uh, who are your contemporaries and, and friends. And they're, you know, going up and you're in this spot, you know, uh, and that's that's uh, that's sort of one of the wild things. And I guess that's sort of the the price you you pay. I mean, it's like if you, you know, if you want to, you know, uh, uh, you know, tie it back to, you know, some of the things you, we talk about on our app a lot of times, these shows like Survivor or these things, you know, the bill uh, for winning individual immunity, uh, <laughs> the, the, this, the, you know, this amazing ecstasy that so many players have 
or, or uh, you know, or the ecstasy of finding an idol or all this different stuff is, you know, sometimes you got to deal with getting blindsided with it in your pocket. And that sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, And uh, it's it, you've lived something way better than anyone who never got to play Survivor. But you've also lived something a, hell of a lot worse yeah. than anything, you know. Uh, and I, I think that I, I have those little parallels in the acting career where, you know, I can look at the stuff where I go, wow, I've I've. I've had things happen that are, are great, you know, um, and that are better than I could have imagined when I was a young kid in Edmonton. And I've, some things have still happened to me where I'm like, wow, that sucks. Like I could have done without that, mm-hmm. you know, like I could have been still an actor and not had to have been close on that thing and hear about that. And they bring up that part or they bring up that thing, or you go, Oh, or you get close on that project and you go, ah, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that you kind of have to kind of deal with, you know, you're constantly in that sort of zone. Yeah, I mean, even just like what you talked about with the, the audition uh, mm-hmm. process, um, mm-hmm. like y- you're you're walking into either a person or a group of people, and sometimes a camera, sometimes not a camera, um, yeah. And just you just have to like perform in front of them. Mm-hmm. Like that must yeah. that must be. It, it, does that ever get any less mortifying? No, no, it doesn't. It, it in some ways it can get worse. I mean, it just depends. It really it, it it's so tough, and it's it's been weird because I actually haven't done it that much the last couple of years for obvious reasons, right? For mm-hmm. the reasons of the pandemic, I've had like one live audition, one audition live in a room where like it was a callback for this thing, and so we had to get tested to even go for the audition. Like it was a whole thing, um, and I did that in person in a room. I've done that once in the last two years. Um, and, or once in the last year, year and whatever, eight months. And I've done a couple zoom, zoom things, uh, which are sort of a similar thing because it's in person is a little more awkward, but it's a similar thing where you're in front of your camera and you're, you're performing live. And if you forget your line, it's a nightmare, you know, which Mm -hmm. thankfully has not happened uh, many times in my life. And I remember every single time it did. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And it's tough. And the truth of the auditioning live thing is it's so tough because it never, I, I know some, Look, there's some actors who who actually love it. There's some actors who do hate it. Um, it, it just depends, and it, it and it it really is. I, I can look back and I can think of so many times where I went into the room and it was just so simple. I felt in control of what I was doing. You know, I said every line exactly when I wanted to say it. I was able to give all the pauses and all the little nuances that I was planning to do. And then I've done the auditions where I've gone in and I thought I got way too nervous or something threw me off at the start or the energy was weird or I had to wait an hour, you know, and it threw me where I don't necessarily forget the lines. It's not a disaster. It's not anything that I can do. Right. I can't like say, oh, my God, my agent's gonna be like, you blew it. They said you didn't even finish the scene. Like, I'm not talking about that kind of bad. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about just I didn't feel in control of what I was doing. You know, Mm -hmm. I was sort of like surviving in there and going, okay, I got, what's the next line? Got it. What's the next line? Got it. Or, Ooh, I'm a little bit off. I'm just going to push through or oh, I'm not hitting the emotional beat, but I have to keep going. Cause I can't stop, you know? And I've had those too, where you just think, ah, damn, that wasn't the best that I maybe could have done. Or, and, and sometimes you're wrong, right? Like sometimes your internal clock is like wrong, but for the, or internal, you know, temperature, but a lot of times it's not a lot of times you're like, damn, I just didn't, it was just too difficult. Circumstance was too tough. And I didn't, I didn't quite have it, you know, the way I wanted to. And again, sometimes you still get a call back after those, but a lot of times you just don't like a lot of times I feel, I always joke because I have so many actor friends, not for actor friends, maybe not friends, some friends, but mainly just people who have, I've seen it just be like, I went in and I thought I blew it. I thought it was the worst performance ever. And then I booked the part that's never happened. 
Like I never in all the years of doing this have I thought that went like crap. And they were like, you killed it. Never in and never. Here's, yeah. here's the part. It was all, I always joke and I still, this is still my thing with auditions. And I've you know, been fortunate. I booked a couple of things this fall, one over a live zoom um, thing where it went amazing. And I've said this, I've said this so many times where I'm like, if you don't leave the audition thinking I just booked it, you have no chance. Always in my career, you walk out of the audition room and you think I booked it. And then like 50% of the time you get it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like mostly you still often do not get it after that experience, but you almost need that to be the response. Like anytime I've gone in and I felt sort of like a, okay, cool. Thanks for, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for your time. And you thought, I don't really think they loved what I did. Or, and again, it might not be that you did a bad job. It might be that you walk in and they go, he's too short. No point getting emotionally attached. Right. Yeah. Or, Oh, he doesn't have the exact, uh, tone and, and it's not something you, or, or just someone's better. Someone's more. And so it's not always that you did a bad job, but you get a sense. As I always say, the air in the room does not change, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't walk in and walk out and they're going, wait a second. Did we just see the person we're going to hire? They're like, cool. Thanks for coming in. And you go, Oh, I've never had that. And then they're like, actually you got it. Never, <laughs> <laughs> never, yeah. never. You always kind of know. And it sucks. It sucks when you go in and, and you know, walking out, you didn't get it. It's awful, especially if it's a callback and you spend a lot of time thinking, okay, this could be mine. This could be it. They, they responded to something in the initial read and you'll just go in in front of the new group of people and it will just, it, it is clear as day that you are just not going to get it. And it sucks. And there's often nothing you can do because they often say, thanks. They don't often go, you know what? Could you try it a little more angry? And then you try it. And they go, thanks. And you go, oh, man, I blew it. I didn't go angry enough. And then I would have got the part if I'd shown them that. Most of the time you go in and you do it like once and they maybe give you like a small adjustment or, or not. And they're just like, thanks. And, you know, you can't really be like, no, 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 please, please, please. Because you do that every time. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can't you can't do that. That's not how it works. Yeah. Maybe if you really believe, I mean, I, you know, I, I do believe if you really believe in a moment that you think you can do better, you think there's something there, uh, there's always the chance to do that but man you can only, you can only do that once or twice in your you know career you can't yeah. be doing that every time uh, well, do, do you feel like the the experience of doing that so often um has made you uh, like inoculated you to rejection a little more like in in your real life do you feel like it's translated at all are you more willing to put yourself out there like um, you know, it, it, is there any kind of impact in, in that sense? Or, or maybe you can't tell because you've been with it for so long and it's, it's, it's during such a formative time of your life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think the thing is I don't, you know, I, I, this is such a singular pursuit that there probably aren't a lot of other aspects of my life where I'm really like putting myself up to be rejected. This is like the main thing, but I do just think in little twists and turns of life, like I, I do think that I'm probably more used to uh, more able to cope with uh, just in a broad stroke. I'm still able, probably able to cope better with the idea of, Ooh, this is something that I really want to do. Mm-hmm. I really want this to happen. Oh, it's just not going to happen. Okay. Okay. You know, like, I mean, I just, I'm, I am, you're right. I am used to the, here's this thing you want. No, you can't have it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so, yeah. So I guess there is an element of that. That's that, that, that translates into my, regular life where maybe I am a little bit able to, uh, to sort of do that. But I guess what I'm, again, I I have a very different perspective of the whole thing now. And I think coming out of, you know, the 2020 and the, 
sort of isolation of um, of not having the industry and really not having anything really day to day. Again, this is a great example of I had a good family unit. So I went back and was with them and we were together under the same roof for the first. I mean, that's the whole kind of funny thing is 2020. Um, as people know from listening, if they listen to the whole podcast, that we were together under the same roof for like nine months, which was, I think, the most since 2010, uh, which was pretty wild um, <laughs> to be that long. Yeah. But 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 in that time frame, I think I, I've definitely gone back and like I just have a greater appreciation, I think, for the the positive moments I, I did have. I think that's the main thing that changed so much and having it stop is that when you're on that treadmill all the time, you're just constantly like, okay, I did that. That's great. Now what's next? Or I did that. That's great. Now what's next? Oh my gosh, I have to get something. I have to get something. I have to get something. And I think like having that time to go back, I've really started to be like, oh man, like that was unbelievable when I got to go to New York and I was there for five months and I, you know, that was really amazing. Or that was so great with Mr. Young, where it was a steady job or, or that project where I went and worked for a month and I was around like a bunch of other people, my own age. And it was a fun part. And I, had a blast. Like that was really great. So I think I've started to um, appreciate more also the highs. Um, mm. uh, and I, I had two, you know, things that I worked on this fall and I think I went into both of them, like just very like, wow, like this is very fun that I get to do this again, you know, and hopefully it continues. Um, uh, so I think, I think it's, it, it's like anything. I think that's true of all these pursuits in life. It's sort of like figuring out how to appreciate the highs so that you can kind of like, you know, keep up with, with the lows, you know, mm-hmm. it's like any, it's like anything you do, right? Like the wins, ha- it's like I said about like the compared to survivor or these different things. It's like, uh, you know, the wins are great. And often the bill you pay for big wins are those big losses. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay. I, uh, I'm super curious because, uh, I, I, I watched this movie like shortly before I oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like met you, uh, right. quote unquote, which is, uh, color out of space. Uh, right, which, which I still believe maybe you watched it to have something to talk about when you were pre-gaming for this. Oh no, no. I, I, I know, <laughs> I know you didn't, but I laugh in that I paranoid I, space. <laughs> no, I, I, I am not literally in that paranoid space. I just laugh because when I hear about the amazing pre-gaming that you and Amon did, I'm like, I kind of believe that's something you would have done. <laughs> it's like, look, it's like, look at me. Okay. This guy's Brandon. He's an actor. What's his most recent credit color out of space. Well, if I watch that tonight and I, I DM him tomorrow, then that'll help. I just, I, I mean, you are, you are completely right that that is absolutely something that I would have done. <laughs> I just could see it as so like, yeah. Um, but, uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a wild movie. It's, it's like a Lovecraft yeah. story. Um, yeah. and, uh, I've always, uh, been curious about movies like this, um, mm-hmm. where it is, I mean, it's hard to describe uh, because it's so just out there and and just weird um and 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 like nicholas cage is uh is in it um and he there's all sorts of like you know ridiculous like body transformation stuff that's going on uh what is it like to film a movie like that yeah that was really wild so yeah color out of space that was great i mean that was a really fun project actually it's uh, the producers of that are actually elijah wood Oh. Uh, this company, uh, these, yeah, Elijah Woods, the producer, uh, this guy, Daniel Noah, and this uh, woman, Lisa Whalen. And it's really crazy the way these things happen in your career where when the guest was at Sundance, we, they did like this dinner the night before our movie premiered. And we were like sharing the space with this other movie. 
Um, that was actually the first movie that Elijah and Daniel Lisa and their company had, and this guy Josh Waller as the other fourth person, they had produced this movie. And so what's crazy is that Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah were sitting like three rows behind me and my family at the guest premiere um, way back. And then I wound up working for them like five years later. Wow. So it's just that crazy. And I didn't talk to them that night at all. I didn't even talk to them, but they were all there and like in that space. But yeah, so I worked with them on, on that and color to space. Yeah. It's based on this HP Lovecraft story. Um, and, and essentially, yeah, it's like about this rock falls from outer space and lands in the front yard of this family who are living out in this sort of abandoned farm and this sort of color that emits from it starts to sort of affect the family. It's a really fun, crazy, cool horror ride. You know, Nicholas Cage plays the father and, and the, you know, the color starts affecting him and he has some kind of wild fun stuff to do. And yeah, that was a crazy, I mean, again, and it's always wild, you know, and it hasn't happened a, a massive amount of times for me in my career, though I've worked with a lot of really interesting actors and stuff, but like to work with somebody who's sort of as famous as Nicolas Cage is just yeah. pretty wild when you're a movie fan, you know what I mean? Cause you're sort of like around someone, you know, you're sort of having this weird sort of intersection, um, you know, with someone who you, who you have been so aware of, not just like, Oh yeah, I saw them in that thing that one time. And now they're in this movie with me, you know, and you're like, Oh shit. It's like Nicolas Cage um, is wild. So that's kind of fun, you know, but he was really cool. And amazingly about Nicolas Cage, like the thing I always bring up when people ask about him is like, he's such a movie guy. That was so yeah. fun to see. And the story I always tell it's cool. is like, we were sitting around talking about movies, he, him and a couple other people. And he started talking about apocalypse now. And he was like, oh, apocalypse now, you know, like the, 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 the helicopters come in and the, you know, that opening sequence and the, you know, the pans of the fan and oh, that's so genius. And he was talking about it. And you thought Nicholas Cage sounds like he's the guy at your video store telling you about how much he loves Apocalypse Now. His <laughs> uncle wrote and directed it. And I, you know, like he is so connected to this thing. Uh, he talked about knowing Martin Sheen, you know, growing up. He knows these are people that are, he know he knows that are his family, you know, that are in this movie. Uh, but it's clear that his love for the cinema is so pure, you know. And I think you see that often, you know, it's like you can sometimes encounter people actors not even really successful ones ones of all success where yeah movies are really just like they see it fully through the prism of my my career you know mm. um and you know you just see it that way and actually it's funny because i never actually got to the other part of the question you asked earlier which was you know do, do do you have a relationship with movies outside of acting and the reality is i still kind of do right like if you can believe it like if I, they say I audition for some big part and I don't get it, I guarantee you the thing I'm going to do that night to feel better is watch a movie. hundred percent. Like I'm not going to, and it's nice. Some things, that's why I enjoy some of these shows like survivor and big brother. I sometimes really enjoy watching those sometimes because they aren't related to the industry really. And you're like, this has nothing to do with, you know what I'm doing. And it's something I enjoy watching, but, but I think that some people have that connection where they have this love of the craft of acting. And they also just like really love movies, right? They just love movies. And I think I saw that with, you see that with Nicolas Cage being around him is that there's a, there's a part of this guy that is an actor that takes it seriously and that has this big legendary career. And then there's the guy who just likes watching movies, you know? I mean, I, I guess that must play into like, uh, like the, I just watched um, a movie that he was in called, uh, what was it called? Like, uh, Willie Wonderland or something? Oh yeah, yeah, that just came out. Yes, um, yes, Willie's Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. Which I, haven't seen, I haven't seen, but I know that. I know that. I've, I've seen the poster for that. It's just such a, it's a nonsense movie. I'm like, yeah, what is Nicolas yeah. Cage doing in this yeah. movie? Um, I, know. I think he just loves to work. I really think he yeah. loves to work. I think that's the thing. I think he's one of these guys that just loves loves to do stuff. And so, as long as he responds to it somewhat, he's he's excited. He's in. He loves the sort of making movies. Yeah, I mean that must that must be uh, that must be it. Um, but like, so, so you're, you, you make a movie like, uh, Colorado space, uh, there's all kinds of, you know, like, just like 
ridiculousness in this movie. Does that uh-huh. translate when you're filming it? Like, do you, uh, does it feel as strange as the outcome, as the output as you're, as you're going? Or does yeah, it feel, does it feel just normal? Well, no, some of it is really crazy because you're seeing some of these practical effects. But I think what's really interesting when you're making a movie like Colorado Space, which not only has wild effects in these things, but it's also like riding this line of like some of the time it wants you to almost be like, think it's funny. You know what I mean? And like in a real way, like black humor, it wants to have some black comedy or it wants to have the, the feeling of a ride, you know, and also it wants you to have emotional stakes. And without giving away too much of the movie, you know, there's like this really crazy thing that happens to like two members of the family and like they're in this kind of monstrous thing and like all this is going on. And you know, there are these scenes where me as the son of the family and Nick as the father and Madeline and Arthur and are like dealing with this stuff where we're like really emotionally distraught, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember doing the scene and I remember thinking like, well, it's so interesting because even though the tone of this movie is so wild, so crazy, as an actor, I essentially have no choice but to play this as seriously as possible. Mm-hmm. As if like, you know, uh, I'm in a movie about a loved one who is sick, you know, uh, some kind of intense health drama, you yeah, know, yeah. because because no matter if this scene winds up being the most. And again, that's the thing that's so funny about a movie like Color is that it rides this wave where you're like, I don't know if this is going to be the most disturbing scene in the movie or if this is going to be one of the most like weird, crazy people are like reacting, but, Oh, whoa, what the, uh, you know, and then it's just kind of funny and crazy. And like, if I say a line really emotionally, it's actually going to get almost a laugh, not because of doing a bad job, but because what is he saying? Like what's yeah. happening? This is insane. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I don't, or they're going to be in silence. Cause you're like, Oh, this is so crazy. So uh, this is so disturbing. So you don't know. And you're like, as an actor, I basically just have to approach this in the most down the middle way possible. And they say this all the time about comedy, right? Is that, like you know comedy is pain or other things you know mm. you, you know the the most the best comedy is going to come from you actually taking the circumstances like 100 percent seriously and hopefully the writing or the tone of the thing is such that you as an actor taking it 100 percent seriously translates into like um you know <laughs> translates into like you know you kind of communicating that humor uh, and so yeah when you're in a movie with color to space that is the thing where you're dealing with all these crazy effects you're dealing with these wild things that again as an actor it's like hey you know you're you're being broken up with by a girl or you're like you know uh, uh really excited about this new opportunity well okay i can sort of relate that back to my life of like a girl who didn't like me that i liked or like this moment where i had this big win in my life and you sort of try to and then there's stuff where it's like oh yeah like a rock came from outer space and like now everything around you know it's like you, you can't relate that you know yeah. what i mean to you're not going to be able to like really pull something literal from your life uh, to oh yeah like that time where that meteor was in my ear it's like not gonna happen you know uh, so that's kind of the fun of it right is that you you that kind of movie you have to sort of like find the inner truth of this stuff as an actor the process is very very different because you're contending with all this stuff and I've never really done any work like this specifically though I, you know, I've done a little bit of working off stuff that's not there but like really stuff like when they talk about Transformers and these movies where like you're acting with nothing you know uh, that's that whole thing where it's like figuring out how to like build like a real core around these effects and, and like something like color of space half of it was effects half of it was like oh there's this color it's coming at you and there was nothing there and then mm-hmm. uh, and you had to pretend there was and then other times it was like oh there's this weird creature thing and they'd have like a real moving animatronic like freaky head and there'd be blood all over it and you go oh my god like i'm actually <laughs> reacting to this gross looking thing and like this is crazy that this is right in front of me something that looks so gross so it was like weird this sort of balance yeah so, uh, so what is, uh, like, what, what are you doing now? Like, what is the, uh, do you, like, what are your, uh, your future plans here? 
Yeah. So, so, you know, great for me. So I've, I've worked on a couple of things this, this fall, which is great. I uh, did a movie called the friendship game, which was this really cool uh, horror film. Um, also starring out Peyton list who's an actress who's in a Cobra Kai and some other things. Uh, and then some other great actors as well. So, so I did that and that's going to probably, they're going to be looking to uh, uh, maybe get that out there. Uh, it was actually written by uh, this guy uh, um, who uh, is a sort of a writer as I Damien Ober, who's a writer on the, uh, the OA was a writer on the second season. Um, and so, uh, that's kind of cool. I have an OA connection there with that. Uh, he wrote the screenplay. Uh, so that, that's going to come out at some point. And then I have another movie, which I guess hasn't been announced. So maybe I won't say the name of it just in case they want to do some kind of release later, but I, mm-hmm. I did this other horror film that's going to be a Shutter original, um, which is going to be really fun. So I have a part in that as well. Uh, that filmed actually out. We were talking about this before it turned, but filmed out in Cape Cod. So mm-hmm. actually filmed out near, uh, near where uh, near where you used to live in the same state or in yeah. that same area um and uh yeah so i did, I did those two projects back to back to back here in the fall so uh kind of keeping it's been fun i think i'm sure i'm starting to get a little momentum in the industry where i've noticed that people sort of like stuff like colorado space or like the oa or uh, i've started to think that stuff's name checked you know i'll get on a set and i've booked a part and they'll go oh man you know we saw we saw you were in that so we thought of you more like I said, there's always something that isn't just what you did in the audition, you know, that we thought, oh, you might fit into the world of what we're trying to do with this new kind of fun genre thing. Um, so that's been cool. It's always good. You're always looking for the thing that's going to keep you working, you know, yeah. um, and the kind of things that you can see tangible momentum. Um, so, yeah, so I got those two those two projects coming out. I uh, recently wrote and directed a short film. Um, that played it actually played in the Edmonton Film Festival short festival, but I'm probably just going to put it online at some point too. Um, mm-hmm. And I did it with a few of my friends uh, who are very successful actors too, so it was really fun. I'm not in it as an actor, but I directed it, and so I have one eye on that. You know, I'm trying to develop and sharpen my craft in that way. Yeah, um, that's something where I don't feel like I have a lot of experience. You know, I feel like now I can say, however, you know whatever it is, however good or bad I am at acting on any given day, I have a lot of experience in it now. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I've been doing it for a very long time. Uh, and that's just not the same uh, as, as directing, even though now I've done about three shorts. So, you know, always trying to learn about that stuff. So yeah, between this, you know, this project, the friendship game, which I was, which I was in and, and um, this other movie that's going to come out on shutter as well. Uh, so I got those two coming out should hit sometime next year. Uh, and then, ha- yeah, probably put the short up uh, on social at some point uh, just to kind of have it out there. Um, and yeah, and then just auditioning, man. I mean, it's, it, it gets to be a slower time. I mean, you know, this, you know, it's coming up to be Thanksgiving. Um, when we record the interview, I don't know when this can drop, but yeah, we're coming up to be Thanksgiving and, uh, I, uh, you know, then it's Christmas. So things usually slow down, um, around this time. And, um, I guess I don't have anything locked in for January, February at this point, but, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been working pretty much nonstop the last, uh, two and a half months. Um, so it's been great and great, especially after the pandemic. So it's been great. It's been really fun. I've been really appreciative to get back on set and yeah, hopefully that this leads to more, I can kind of get back, uh, get back in the swing and maybe that next big, big thing is around the corner, you know, whatever that next, the next chapter. Yeah. Well, I, so I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about this because I feel like it might be somewhat similar, but like, uh, like, you know, I've, I've reached a point uh, with my, uh, you know, uh, profession, uh, where like I am, you know, able to do this full time. Um, this is my job and, and I'm extremely happy with that. But there's also this thing where like in, in, in this profession that I do content creation online, um, like the ceiling it, there's there's basically no ceiling. I mean, the the most successful yeah. people in this industry are 
just so unbelievably uber successful right. that it's like uh, like no matter how much success i find here uh mm-hmm. like i feel like there's always so much higher to reach um which you know i, I don't think it, I, that doesn't bother me um but it is something that like exists in my mind um, and I have to imagine it's, it's somewhat similar for you as an actor. The ceiling is also so unbelievably high, uh, probably even mm-hmm. higher than an online content creator. Um, certainly at least. Um, and, uh, so, but, but like, uh, do, so do you feel like, uh, like that is always the goal, like to find that, like the one role that like really blows you up and then you're like, uh, you become like a uh, mega successful as an actor or are you like just completely like if you just worked uh, you know, for the rest of your life as a successful actor, but never mm-hmm. became like, uh, you know, the, you know, the next uh, Brad Pitt or whatever. Uh, like, uh, you're like totally cool with that. Uh, uh, I mean, it's interesting to think about, you know, I think, I think the truth is that it probably changes a lot. Uh, again, it, it's not so much about, it's not so much about like being famous or anything like yeah. that. Or, uh, uh, I think that I'm still relatively young. So when I think about, I don't, I, I wouldn't want to be like totally, uh, uh, disingenuous and say, I don't care at all about being a super <laughs> successful actor. Of course. I mean, I'm still only, you know, I'm like 27. I mean, of course I've still got one eye on, you know, how high can, can I go in terms yeah. of like success, you know, like how, like I, like I said, it's exciting when you do something like the OA and all of a sudden you're sort of like working with actors that you think, wow, like these guys have really struck a chord with, with audiences or with the industry. Um, it is exciting to be in those rooms. It's, it's not necessarily uh, more rewarding than working on other things, because I think what you realize as you work is that there are great actors at every corner of the, of the business, mm-hmm. you know, every corner of the business, you could wind up across from someone that you think is just so good at acting and it's an amazing day they don't have to be someone you've heard about before so they have to be somebody famous but but yeah I, I definitely still at this point um am really really motivated and and as i've said i have a couple of those projects in my mind where mm-hmm. i was close and so i think that i inevitably because i have a couple of things where i'm like ooh, ooh. it's kind of look it's kind of like i i you know I, you know, haven't won. I almost won, you know, Survivor once, you know, right, I, uh, yeah. I, I, of course I'd like to do it at some point. I, if I play 10 more times and I, I go out pre-merge a bunch and I don't actually ever really have the dream run, but I get to kind of keep playing. That's fine. I'm not going to be upset, but I know that I, you know, I, I would love to, to because I have a few, tough breaks uh little like close things i i i i would love to not think about those again you know Mm -hmm. once you once you clear the threshold you know you you don't have to think about that anymore they they Uh, become funny anecdotes right it becomes (laughs) well and as we talk about the the i guess for me it's it's i'm very interested to see because I, I I do hope to one day achieve not massive success as an actor, but some sense of contentment as a person, right, of one's mm. journey. And when you look at the negative stuff that we've sort of touched on is, yeah, there's still stuff that has happened that has not the loop has not closed. Right. Oh, I almost got that part where I would have had X, Y or Z and I still haven't got X, Y or Z. So I'd really love to get X, Y or Z because then, mm-hmm. you know, I can say, well, you know what? I took a huge blow when I was this age and it really sucked. And I heard about that project for years. But then, you know what? It all worked out. Ten years later, I got something similar. And now I'm one of the like I got lucky and I'm kind of got and it might not happen. You know, it just might not. 
but but that would be cool. And so either that will happen or maybe there is another thing where hopefully, like you're saying, I get to keep working at the bare minimum. I hope that I get to keep working. That is, of course, the ultimate dream. And as you said, if I if I never have to get another job and I can just be an actor my whole life, I'm not going to have any major complaints, you know, and that yeah. in itself is really difficult. <laughs> you know, that yeah. in itself is, is really tough. Um, you know, if I booked another show like the OA, even if I wasn't the lead, but I was part of an ensemble and did that for a couple of years again, that would be amazing. Um, that's kind of what I'm hoping to get right now. That's kind of my goal is I'd love to just get another show and have a little bit of stability again. Um, but, but that's my immediate goal probably. But I, uh, you know, maybe there'll be another path, you know, maybe it'll be a thing where I do look back and I go, okay, you know what? I didn't succeed in this way, but I, you know, had a lot of really great experiences and I did a lot of different stuff and I, or and maybe, you know, maybe it is, I, you know, have a family now and I, you know, I'm doing that and, you know, who knows, uh, you know, you never know what, what's coming around the corner. So right now I'm very open right now. I don't know. I don't know the answer. To, I honestly did. Don't even know the answer to your question. Cause I think right now, yeah, right now the sky's the limit, right? There's no limit to what ceiling you can reach. Uh, you know, let's try to see how far, you know, how far yeah. it can go and far as, as far as, um, you know, what kinds of, you know, people I could be able to collaborate with and stuff like that. It's certainly exciting, but at the same time, it's so fun. It's so fun. No matter where you're at, you know, I think that's what I learned more and more and having it taken away through the pandemic, you know, and things slowing down and the opportunities being so much fewer, you know, I sort of realized like, Oh my gosh, like it's just anytime you get to do it at all. Mm -hmm. And, And that's why I talked to people. I was talking to someone about this on the last thing I did is that's sort of that test for if you really, really want to do something, whether it's acting or anything, is wow, that month where I worked on a movie and I was around people I really, really liked is so much fun. It's so what I want to be doing that it's worth nine months of getting, like it's worth it. Like it's actually that much fun. Hopefully the dream is that I, I mean, I don't think I've ever quite pulled this off since Mr. Young, or I guess maybe since the OA year, I, I don't think I've ever like spent more days, more months working on something than not, you know, like I'll, I like something like Colorado space is an incredible thing to be a part of and the guests and stuff, but they're two month shoots, you know, yeah. in 12 months. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, if I could ever, this is probably the most honest thing is like, if I, if I could just get to a point where every year I spend like at least like six months working on something like every year, that is like, that's the dream, right? Yeah. Like that's just, if somehow I can be spending the majority of my year on a set and not a majority of my year trying to get on a set. Uh, uh, amazing. That's, that's, that, that's like, and again, no matter what level that's at, like that, if that can somehow become a reality, um, that would be awesome. You yeah. know? All right. Well, this was so much fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, no, Taryn, it was great to get to, uh, get to talk to you. And it's, 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 I hope it was interesting uh, for people, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, I, I, uh, I love getting to chat, chat with you about it. And, Again, it's interesting. I hope I hope what came out of it is it's like all this stuff, you know, it's and maybe that's kind of what you're getting at at the heart of this show is that I think whenever you go deeply specific with someone on their experience, it can it can hopefully bring out things that are you can relate to your own experience, even if it's totally different, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that, that's how I, I, I was constantly feeling like uh, like I could relate to you and, and and you know again like uh i think we're somewhat similar space but uh but yeah. I, I think i think that uh i think that it is very broadly applicable and and also just like very enlightening in uh in the sense of like, like this is like this is the life of of an actor right like uh right. and i and i think that you 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 tend to be very curious about that i know i am um well, and I think the other thing, too, is that there's a really interesting thing that happens with the profession of acting, which I guess I haven't said literally today, but I think has sort of maybe been part of the overall thing is that 
there is this sort of like one percenter thing that happens where the type of actor that you hear about as someone who's not an actor is like this one percent of like mm-hmm. insanely famous, successful yeah. rich people who work all the time. And like, so when you say you're an actor, people are like, oh, man, you know, it's like and, and uh, you know, I remember as a kid, you'd get this a lot because you're a kid. And I guess I guess weirdly now that I'm an adult, maybe have some credits you can point to. But just in general, because I'm an adult, maybe you just don't get the question as much. But as a kid, it would always be like, well, what do you want to do? I want to be an actor. And people would be like, what if you don't become famous what then how what are you going to do with your life and it's like dude like i like you're saying there's no say like uh, by the time i used to say this as a kid and absolutely let's do like by the time i realized i didn't make it as a really successful actor i mean it's gonna be like i'm gonna be like 60 you know what i mean like yeah. i'm gonna be in this game for or, or i'll have gotten a family and done a different thing or whatever who knows but but it's not gonna be enough time for me to switch careers buddy like i'm not in this till like 22 and then later you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's not gonna be this is you know and so i think that's what is interesting about being an actor and i think i'm still a very lucky person like i mean i'm not even like I'm more like more successful, which is crazy because I feel like there's so many, I've had so many dry spells and so many things where, you know, I would, I don't, you know, I would never say like, I've made it, man. I'm this, you know, massive success, but I'm even more successful than a lot of other people who are actors who, who work in theater in their town or work Mm -hmm. in and are, and are paid, you know, and are these great actors and are talented or, or do little things here and there. And, and those people are successful too. I mean, it's, it's, I guess the point I'm trying to say is that we are so aware and I'm true of it too. Cause I'm a fan of the industry. So I spend a lot of time just looking at really successful actors and reading about the movies they're in. Cause I want to go see them. Um, and, and that's what we see. That's the headline for actors. And that is such, like, the, the amount of people who are walking around today around the world. That's the other thing. Think about the world um, who are actors or who associate as actors or who are trying to be actors. Um, and work now and then is is massive and it's very different reality than than what we associate with when we see it on tv or see it on these like you know entertainment shows yeah for sure and, and that's you know that's again that's uh, i just feel like um there's something and, and that's really again one of the one of the points of this podcast was just like get to know people that you might not have otherwise seen as like uh, like you're not, not have known their story. Like, uh, yeah. like this is, this is somebody that maybe you've seen in a movie. Maybe you maybe you've seen, right. uh, Brennan on the, OA. maybe you've just seen him on, uh, on the podcast with me. Um, but like, <laughs> which na- is, which is great too. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I'll now, you that. know, uh, like more about like, uh, like, you know, his, his story and, and, mm-hmm. and what it, what it means to be, you know, uh, a, a young, uh, pretty successful not like superstar uh necessarily yeah. actor um which i think is super interesting and and i think like also the you know the life you've led is interesting you know from from being homeschooled to mm-hmm. to the journey that you took to get here um you know i think uh it's it's all very interesting so i, I yeah I yeah people will enjoy it yeah no absolutely absolutely it's a uh, it, it's interesting to to kind of understand these these people and i think i think that's what's interesting about some of these these long form types of interviews. And then also just, again, to go back to the specifics of, 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 you know, anything like, you know, when you cover big brother or something, or you talk to these people after the show or Rob talks to from survivor after the show or these things, you know, you always, when you hear someone talk for a longer period of time, like you actually start to go, Oh, I have like, such a, you just, you, you understand people a little bit more. Yeah. You know, people are so, there's so all these different facets that sometimes if you only know them through one Avenue, um, yeah, like like even just even just beyond your story, just the way that you 
talk about the story and the way right. that you engage right. and the, the different sidetracks that you go off onto and the way that you're analyzing your own story and the way that we're both analyzing. Like, uh, it says so much about, uh, about, you know, the both of us ultimately. Um, yeah. and, uh, that's also <laughs> interesting. And, uh, we're getting, we're so down the, uh, the spiral of this meta, uh, conversation at this point. Um. <laughs> no, no. And look, and again, it's like not in a, you know, it's like, again, hopefully people don't feel this way when listen to me, but like, you know, a lot of times you can also like get a sense of, of, of if someone is actually like a genuine person, you know, listen to them in the yeah. interview and you'll go based on what they highlight, right? Like based on the way someone, again, I hope this is not the takeaway from my, 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 my uh, interview, but, but, but sometimes I will listen to people talk about whether it's acting or other things and like the way they choose to speak about their successes or their failures or these things often is very illuminating. You know, how mm-hmm. they frame it, how they speak about themselves, how they speak about other people involved in these things can often be very illuminating to like, how, you know, it's interesting. You know, the, I don't know. I find that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, um, you know, uh, we didn't even talk about uh, your your movie trivia, uh, which I know is also. A big oh, yeah. I could life, plug but, that at you because that's such a fun yeah. thing. I mean, I can plug that really quick. It's called uh, the movie trivia showdown. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. And I think they're going to be starting doing some live events uh, starting again next year. Uh, they did one event in New York a couple and it's really fun it's like this movie trivia show it's sort of a mix of like almost like wwe and movie trivia with these people who are characters and who are competitors and you can win a, a belt you know a physical movie trivia belt uh which i'm very lucky i'm actually a champion at the moment a team's champion uh and yeah so it's really really fun uh and i it's so great actually because there are there are some overlap between i know there are some overlap between rob as a podcast fan yeah. and schmoda because <laughs> every time i'm on rob as a podcast with you i see whenever i'm doing like the survivor updates and stuff i i, I i've seen people like comment like hey it's the guy from schmodown so and i think even there was a post from my last in, like when we did a 41 uh stock watch thing that someone posted on the schmodown reddit and they were like hey and people were like oh man or happened schmodown so i think there are some people <laughs> who, who love these two things uh but it's really fun especially guys this movie trivia league it's really fun i mean there are is some like characters and storylines but the trivia is all like 100 real um it's all just a real fun game about movie trivia and and that's been a real blast you know that's and just to go back and slightly answer one of your questions like that that has been something that i've i've started in that my experience as an actor has really helped out with because you know sometimes you take big losses you know mm. and i'm very used to the kind of up and down of you know oh you're trying to win at this thing because people who are in this league take it very seriously <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's fun it's a bit it's a bit like another smaller version of survivor you yeah, know what I mean? yeah where like the average guy on the street is not super i mean i hate to say it because i love the show but yeah the average person um on this on the street is not like you know that invested in whether or not you know tony or you know sandra or what the math that malcolm never won and all this different stuff but but in the survivor community and to people who care about it, this is like insanely intense like this mm. is like so important and people people on the show survivor are really dealing with these massive like life altering like dealing with the disappointments carrying the disappointments and the successes around and this is like a smaller microcosm of that where yeah people are because so many because such a small because the amount of people who love it love it so intensely it becomes this very intense exciting thing within the sphere of it even though same as survivor even though every single person doesn't watch it anymore it's still massively important yeah yeah, well, uh, well, that's what we have. Uh, thank you so much uh, to everyone that uh, that joined us here. Um, yeah. You can, of course, find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Darren Armstrong, hanging out, uh, having some fun. Um, you can find Brendan uh, doing some movie trivia uh, <laughs> over at the, the Schmodown. Yeah, um, that's right. 
and uh, and be on the lookout for uh, you know any other uh, movies and uh, other other projects. Yeah, yeah. You can find me on uh, Brendan KJ Meyer on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, once I've got these other um, these two movies that I did this fall, once they're out and about wherever they are, whether once the one movie goes live on Shutter, or if it's at a festival, or the other ones, like you know, I'll always be pumping that out on social about where. Uh, yeah, where where you can see it. And yeah, take a look uh, for some of the stuff we've mentioned. You know, Color Out of Space is out there. I know The Guest is on Netflix for a while. Like I said, I just saw the other day. It's good. Is leaving. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that stuff's, that stuff's out there away. So uh, yeah, man, it's all out there. So if anyone ever was interested, a, a lot of these projects were, were, were great. I mean, you know, people, a lot of really good people worked on them. So. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us. And I will see all of you next time. It's the Tarrant Show. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.